Shut up and sit down. People who don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom, you're nasty. The Lord is watching. Say what? You came back for another dialed podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von During? You're the best. We all can use a good Chinese proverb from time to time. So here you go. A man who cannot tolerate small misfortunes can never accomplish great things. Stay strong, my friends. I want to go to the zoo and tickle a gorilla and then punch it in the face. You got to cuss yourself out every once in a while. What can I say? You know? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Von During, and today I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance in the studio. In the studio. In the studio. studio. We are blessed with your presence. Like here at the table. Yep. We're all four sitting at the table today. So awesome. It's been a while. (laughs) I meant to bring a camera and kind of do some like behind the scenes stuff whenever the four of us were actually here. (laughs) Okay. Next next week. (laughs) We got a summer's worth of that, and that'll be fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. To his right, Evan Price. What's everybody drinking today? Are we all drinking the same thing right the now? The exact same yeah. thing. Uh, well, no, lemon. Jake's got something different over there. Jake, what do you have? Green tea, kombucha. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah, a okay. little hot tea. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. different. And to Evan's right, Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking great. You're looking fantastic. Smiling faces seen through the internet. It's a wonderful thing. Why, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. That's because we're ready for your back pedal, Matt. My back, back pedal, pedal. course. Okay. Um, my back pedal was uh, so-so. I mean, so-so weak as far as working out goes. Went on a couple of cool rides. Um, I got to ride with uh, Nathan Ansbaugh, who mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic athlete, super cool guy. Um, we did this cool ride. Like he's been doing this kind of like Washugo loops because he's trying to get ready for Ironman Canada. I don't know what I'm trying to get ready for, <laughs> uh, but you're you know, riding a lot for, for feeling like you're not getting ready for anything. I know, right. I don't know. And but, you're swimming very well. And so I, um, yeah, I swam a couple times this week, but I rode this ride with him. It was really cool. And it was one of the days that was just insane, like blazing hot. And we started uh, in the morning, yeah. like we started early. Uh, and we, you know, and you're just climbing. So it's just, you're just sweating. You're just sweating, climbing these monster hills. And we use TT bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was happy with myself. Like I was climbing really well. I think, you know, it's like one of those things where you're, you're looking at your Watts and you're like, this is, this is, you know, this is like as is much as I've done sure. ever. Right. Like probably like on par with what I've done in the past, like when I've been in shape, uh, we bombed down, um, Hughes road, which is just, you know, I I think it's two miles and it's pretty decent, like descent. I've had some scary calls there before we get down and I'm looking at the river and I'm like, let's go jump in the river because it ends up at the Washougal river. You end up coming down and you're just staring at the river when you get down there. Uh, and he was like, okay. And so we kind of like cruised down Washougal river road looking for a spot to get in the river. And, uh, there's a pretty decently strong rapids through there, right? Yeah. It was awesome. And so, um, we just kind of like put our bikes in the bushes and I'm just looking at the bikes and his bike's super nice. And my bike's like pretty decent. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of, 
it's a lot of money just to leave up here next to the highway right and uh and so we anyway we dropped into the water we swam for you know 10 minutes or something cooled off in our in our cycling get up got back on (laughs) kept biking it was such a cool ride oh that's cool it's fun it's one of those like summer day moments when you're like oh yeah this could be pretty cool um you really can't do that in december no, you can't. I mean, you could. Just, well, yeah. I mean, swimming in the Washougal River in December could it's be chilly. Like getting bike, getting back on the bike after that would feel pretty cold. Yeah. So. We, just, we had two days over like ninety-five degrees, which is, I think is fairly rare for yes June. It was super hot. Early yeah, June. It was super hot. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Wasn't the heat index over a hundred? I don't know. Whenever don't I'm know. in the clinic, I have patients come in and they just seem like they're over exaggerating right. sometimes. But right. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I, I mean, for me, I kind of like was you know I actually had my GoPro and I was like, I'm gonna videotape this. This would be kind of cool, and uh, and I was using my watch for mine. I have a new um, Garmin watch because my bike computer had died or whatever, so I was using my watch. And so if you look closely at my Strava ride, it looks like I like biked into the river. Because we, <laughs> we did get in the river and like I swam in the river. Swam, for like, right. Like it was really actually nice. You have to make a uh, segment of that now. I know. The time it took <laughs> to get down the hill into the water, into back the water. on the bike. And you I, have that camera. I killed Nate on that oh, segment. Oh, you smoked him, I'm because sure. Because yeah. I, I was like, I was like, he was like, are we going to do this? And I'm like, in the water already. Like yeah. swimming. So, <laughs> it's like, we're doing this. Got him by two minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then I rode um, with uh, one of our friends, the friends of the podcast, and his name's Robbie Halterman on Saturday. And it was fantastic. He had a big yeah. group. You guys did the rack route, right? We the 100K did. rack route? Yeah. That's the, the group getting ready for STP, actually. Yeah. And so we had a really awesome group. And I peeled off and I did all these like random roads, which was super cool because I got to see all these roads that I wasn't like super familiar with. If I saw a road and I was like, I don't know where this goes, I would just go take it. And uh, and I was, again, I was like, same thing. I was like, legs are feeling good, like really pushing good, good watts. Uh, by the end of that though, I was, I was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to ride with Robbie Halterman, which was really cool. And like the rest of the, the group kind of, you know, as groups sometimes do, they just get splintered and, you know, different groups are going different locations different speeds, and things like that. Yeah. And Robbie was like, we are behind. We need to probably hammer to try and catch up to the group. And we went hard and we never caught the group that was in front of us, but, um, it was really cool to get to ride with him. He's riding mm-hmm. well. He's nice. riding well. He's so. also running well. Like I know. up there on Robbie. Robbie's doing awesome. And swimming. Like this this yeah. early summer, he's doing great. He's doing really well. Were you guys on road or TT bikes? Uh TT bikes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Is he gonna do the STP, the Seattle to Portland on his TT bike? I believe I think so. so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. He did it last year, so I think that, that was his his yeah. plan again is to do it this year. Right on. Which is just too cool. Yeah. Hey Evan. Back pedal horse. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. So there's really only one important thing that happened to me the last week. Um <laughs> So at my job, uh, I work with a man named Ryan Nall, who is awesome, but is also somebody who really is obsessed with his facial hair and how it looks and the presentation of it. So last year around this time, we lost a bet and we, so I had to shave a mustache and treat patients for a week with a mustache, which I am not a person who can rock that very well. You're not, you're not a mustache person. <laughs> no, I'm not. And and I've become hyper aware of this after seeing, tw- you know, 18 patients a day for seven days and, you know, for, for four days and being told again and again that you're not a mustache person. So I was made aware of this last year. Oh, man. And this year, of course, now Ryan is going to make this an annual event. Um, we're doing it again, except this year we added chops. It looks so, so, <laughs> so it's, a good, it's a good look. So this is where really I think it's nice that I don't have a face for TV and I 
only have a voice for radio because <laughs> I'm glad that this is not being live streamed right now. For those of us who remember baseball back in the 80s, and I know that's probably a select group when we're talking to a bunch of cyclists, um, Goose Gossage, do you remember that name? Oh, God, I actually know who you're talking about, Jake, yes. <laughs> he looks like Goose Gossage from back in the day, so... <laughs> Yeah, this is um so this is a look that's going to stay this week. Uh I put up a poll on one of my Strava workouts as to vote should I keep the stash, just the chops, both or none of the above. And the votes are pretty scattered right now, so I'm going to have to tally at the end of the week and see what stays or what goes. Oh man. <laughs> but your, your workplace is quite entertaining cuz when I came to yeah. visit you guys for calf stuff or something it was mm-hmm. like you were wearing like a clown outfit one time. Yeah. It, it's you we're, guys are definitely self entertaining. We're kind of your 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 friendly, funny local PT clinic. <laughs> Much you wouldn't walk in there and think that this is a nervous doctor's office. That's not the impression that you get. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. I think. I just yeah. posted a picture. There. Okay. You posted down podcast yeah. Instagram page so you can see how <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Evan's face looks right now. Imagine having to look at that in a mirror each morning too. Now I have to get up and remember. Oh God, yeah, I got to go to work with this. What, is, yeah. what does Cassie think? You know, I mean, <laughs> so in in my defense, Cassie's the one who actually shaved it into me at the barbecue, at the at oh the, the the clinic barbecue that we had. So. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to say she probably will be happy that's gone at the end of the week. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but outside of that backpedaling to other things much, we're, we're basically doing an all cycling podcast today, which is awesome. I'm not even going to talk about triathlon things. I'm back into another training block, like as of this week. <laughs> and, and I, I did my first road race of the year. I did the Silverton <clears throat> race. You did a road race. I did a weekend. road race oh, this yeah. weekend. Wait. Yeah. This it is, was fun. Yeah. God, I miss road racing so much. Road racing is so much fun. That's a beautiful venue, too. Yeah. It is. Silverton is a truly hard, worthy of a state championship course on the most beautiful roads. And, oh, it's so cool. And it was a beautiful day, too. Yeah. It was, like, sunny the entire... Nice. I mean, it, it was cloudy to start the morning, and then sun came out. It wasn't too hot, and it was great. But, um, yeah, that course is, what, Jake, like 50? So if you do three laps for the 4-5 race, it I was... I think it was just 51. shy 50. Yeah, it was like 51 miles and about 4,500 yeah. feet of climbing. Yeah, yeah, and I know people are saying it was ju- just under that 5,000 mark for climbing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just up, down, up, down, really no steady climbs. It was basically just up, down. the whole time, yeah. yeah. And um, so in my field, the the, the important... I know we'll, we'll all kind of talk about the, the results from the race, but I'll speak from the 4-5 field. The, the only goal on that day for me was to make sure that Nate and Mike made any big selection um we knew there was going to be some really strong guys in the field because there was some chatter that a very strong gravel grinder racer was there um cyclocross racer from cyclocross the too yeah Bonk collective um oh, he was a yeah. cat one cross P- racer P- uh brad peterson yes yes right? i think so let me actually check the results on him but um <laughs> yeah he uh yes brad peterson who actually ended up second to uh neo odera who, a strong kid from Audi. Or very he, strong, yeah. yeah. Um, but really, Brad was... So my only goal is it was pretty obvious early in the race that Brad was going to be the stronger pick of the field. So uh, the first time up, the longer rollers, my only goal was I just lined out on his wheel. And a couple times on those first tough uh, climbs, it really strung out the group and the elastic yeah. started to break. And there was actually one point where it was me and Brad had gone away. Luckily, Nate was on my wheel too. And I thought that that may have actually been the move just in the first lap Mm because people were looking pretty tanked. But um, group came back together. We got through the first lap, going through halfway through the second lap up the same climb. 
And I had made the really rookie four or five decision to just stay on the front for, you know, a lap and a half for as, as an idiot does when they think their fitness is better than it is. My fitness was not good enough to hang on the front of that field for that long. Um, but Nate was looking very strong. Uh, Mike Guyvan played it so smart all day, staying very protected for that first lap and a half till he knew the right move was going to come. Yeah. Right move came when Brad really started to stretch out the field on the same climb. And I'm staying on his wheel and I make the dumb decision to my legs still felt good, but I was like, I don't want to sell this guy's wheel. So I pull off for a second to let somebody else through and then just all heck breaks loose and everybody tries to grab onto Brad's wheels. He starts to accelerate away. And it was at the very tippy top of that climb when it's, it's tough at that point because you hit a crosswinds at the top of that climb. So if you're not protected at that point, you're going to really be in trouble. And there was probably eight guys, nine guys that got up to him. And I was not included in that group because the elastic was snapping for me. Right. right. So stayed with the the, the Peloton group with uh, Mark and Chris. Uh, Chris Weinerman uh, was there too. Yep. And uh, two super, super nice guys. I really haven't gotten to talk to either of them very much. So it was very cool to get to talk to them. And we, uh, we had a couple of funny moments with, not that I'm calling out anybody in the Peloton, but it does kind of crack me up in some fields when people will look at you and be like, well, are you guys going to work? We're like, well, well, no. <laughs> why? Why would we want to work? Right, right. Also, that group is gone. Like, I mean, like we we were just like there were people yelling at us like, "Hey, you know, really push the pace." We we were pushing it just hard enough to where people didn't want to come in front of us. Yeah. I don't know if they wanted us to all line out and draw back a group with eight of the strongest riders in that field. <laughs> I was like, "This is a two minute gap, guys." I don't know if you know anything about bike racing, right. but a two minute gap doesn't close on a guy like Nate Scott who's in a group with another Cat One cyclocross racer. Yeah. Like. That's that's not a group you bring back. I have a question for you. Yeah. Tell me about the kid who took third place, oh Jesse Maris. Oh my goodness. He, Is he actually 15? I d- he doesn't. He looked like he, he was all of like 13 or 14 looks, years old. He could be eight for all I know. He looks so young. Incredible. My God, the kid came in third place and he hung with yeah. some big hitters. That's I, amazing. Yeah. He outsprinted Nate at, or, or, or uh, Mike, 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 Mike at the end yes. of that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it's an uphill finish, but yeah. I mean, the kids' watts per kilogram are obviously better oh, than Mike's. Probably are. 20. Yeah. But, but Mike is not, no slouch. Neither no. is Nate Scott. I mean, that was amazing. For, for everybody's reference, Mike and Nate are both guys with FTPs north of 360. I mean, these yes. are guys who belong in one, two, three fields, yes. watts wise. There was yeah. a lot of horsepower in that four or five oh. field. I felt bad for people that were true four or fives that oh, you know, yeah. should have a chance at this, and there was right. no chance at all for I them. Tell, that, that first climb, we were pushing the pace. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't have a watt, you know, a. a power meter but i know that you know the guys around me that was peeking over at their watts you know that yeah. they were putting i was like oh man we are we are not going slowly at this moment yeah. so well the kid too not for nothing yeah. at the finish um brad peterson was at the line and the kid was coming around him on the line his his front wheel was probably out of his crank as they crossed the finish line you, like you give if that he had like 50 more yards it's yeah. less than that yeah wow. like 20 more feet oh he comes God. around him it was nuts yeah. And the kid looked like he had a smile on his face the whole time. I was yeah. at the finish line taking pictures of everybody. That was one of the coolest things I saw. So yeah. when that move started to happen, yeah. you all these grown men are just like everybody's shattered at this point as Brad and that group starts to really go away. Yeah. I come out, out of the saddle to go and this little shadow comes out. Behind. I swear I, I didn't even wreck <laughs> it. I didn't even notice there was a rider next to me. I kind of go over to the right, and he accelerates by me with the biggest smile on his face. This yeah. kid is out of the saddle, just swinging his bike back and forth, looks back at me, <laughs> sits back down, and points on his wheel like, hey, get on. Get on. And I almost <laughs> look at him and be like, your draft is not going to work, kid. Like, this is <laughs> us. 
I was like, you go ahead. I think you got this. I think you got this. Yeah. (laughs) That had to be one of the coolest things that I saw all day long. Oh, yeah. Was that kid being right there in the mix, right there at the end with all of that horsepower. So, uh, what was his his name is is Jesse Maris. Jesse Maris. Maris. Yeah. They don't have a listed age on him because he is not a um, registered member. Let's see here. Maybe they changed that. Oh, it's up there now. It does say racing age 15. So he turns 15 this year soon to come yeah. <laughs> or he already did he doesn't look like he's 15 but the kid i didn't uh, even see his team jersey i'm not sure where he's where he's from or what team he's on okay. uh, he should probably race for he doesn't have a team listed yeah so yeah, I, know, I know he lives team. up in buckley washington too which is okay. yeah well if he's looking for a team <laughs> keep an eye on that kid though yeah. I, uh yes something's gonna is, come of him so that, that's yeah. neat yeah two weeks in a row neat but it was <laughs> hey it was a blast road racing is fun everybody next year road race more cool uh, Lance, backpedal. Well, uh, my week was interesting. I had one uh, big race on Monday night, the uh, short track mountain bike race. And um, I, it was, uh, I, I should have puked at the end of that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a 37 minute race. I averaged 186 heart rate for the whole race. What? Yeah. Jeez. It, I was full gas the whole time. So. It was kind of crazy. I'll let Jake um, talk about it too because Jake, we raced each other for the first time in a while. Oh wow, which was long kind time. Of fun. It's probably yeah. been two years since you guys have raced. Yeah. Each other. So the cool thing was we we were racing in the in the Cat One Forty Five Plus division. There was only about twelve or thirteen of us, I believe, yeah, I in, so. in the race, and we had five dialed guys. Oh my god! Five dialed jerseys <laughs> rolled up right Strong on the front. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody from the side said, "What is this? The dialed ride again?" <laughs> and we just kind of laughed, but I actually had a really great start. I was really excited for it. We had a little bit of drama before the race because I was having some difficulty with my bike. Wow. Um, the it was the gears were slipping through the whole pre ride and. Jake and I tried to figure it out. It was a little stressful because we were trying to figure it out before the race started, and we did finally figure it out. It, it happened to be a, a master link on the oh, chain yeah. that was wonky that we had to mess with. It was upside down. <laughs> it, the master link was upside down, and it was causing it to um, Yeah, Lance skip. needs to find a new mechanic. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to ask if that was the one down. time that Lance decided to put the chain on himself the, without Jake's help. The Eagle Drive train has yeah, a, um, like a little curve to it. E- exactly. Gotcha. So and it's uh, it, it's only meant to go on um, one way if you're going to ride it the right way. So And, and if you're just riding, it, you couldn't tell. But if I put four or 500 watts down, it would skip. So that little curve's not yeah. grabbing the, the two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he tells me he's like Jake, it's not it's not riding right. I'm like, I just had that thing up in the stand this morning. It was shifting flawlessly. Yeah. Like everything yeah. was perfect on it. I just did a full like cleaning, of, like you know, ultrasonic cleaning of his uh-huh. entire drivetrain, and we're going through. And I'm pulling the derailleur off and checking for the hanger being bent. I'm checking the derailleur itself. I'm cleaning up everything, and then. I looked at that when Lance was going over to look at uh, find something else. Like he was looking for a tool for me. I looked at that and went, ah, crap. <laughs> I flipped <laughs> it up and my problem solved. <laughs> yeah, that's so, good. Easy my, fix. My bad. That's so, good. Yeah, it just took us like 45 minutes to figure that out. Yeah. It's funny because when we show up to the short track race, you know how many people call my name? Jake, Jake, come here, come here. Can you help me with my oh, bike? So every time it's like I've, I fix about I've been I've yeah. the first two races I think it's been five or six bikes each time that I've had to help people fix, which I don't race. mind doing because I want people's bikes which is to work. Awesome, yeah, yeah. Do and, you know you should And I do. get there early too because my son races and I don't my races yeah. in like two hours. So. Yeah, you should you should just grow a mustache and wear sunglasses and people will be like, "Where's Jake? <laughs> I have no idea where Jake is." 
who's going to fix my bike? There you go. That's all good. I love helping people, especially on our team. The race was super fun. It was warm. Um, um, I, I got a great start and, you know, after being on vacation for a couple of weeks, I was not prepared for that kind of intensity again. Um, although the day before when I did the, uh, team time trial, I didn't actually puke on myself this time. So that's good. That's huge, <laughs> but, huge, huge improvement from last time. But <laughs> I, I had a great start and was actually in the lead for a lap or a lap and a half until, um, Jake went around me, which, which I was super happy for. Um, and then it, we did a, we had a six lap race and if it was a five lap race, I would have done really well but the last five minutes i just completely blew apart and i got passed by two guys you had the 30 minute effort in you but the last i did not have a 37 minute effort effort i had a 32 minute effort in me and so i i ended up fourth which was which was a good result in the in the cat one but Mm -hmm. i i was hoping to do a whole lot better so but it's all good yeah it was fun it was fun so after that i was whipped i didn't even ride for two days oh wow i it like we had like super nice hot days and I was just like done. And I've been a little nervous because I have a big race that starts on Wednesday when you guys start listening to this podcast. It's a mm-hmm. five-day gravel stage race. And um, I was just, I'm not really prepared for it. I, my expectations have gone from racing it to surviving it. Participating. Yes. <laughs> I've been there. So <laughs> Give me my participation medal. <laughs> I will give you that. Just let me participate, please. So like the last three days, I put in like 215 miles because I just need more time in the saddle after I had taken a couple hours off or a couple weeks off. So and I actually feel really good today. Good. So I'm hoping that. What's the um, What's the whoop saying recovery wise? uh, My recovery has been terrible all week. Take two months off. It has been it has been (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Whoop suggestion. Whoops has stopped cycling. (laughs) So (laughs) Saturday, did you go with the Mari's ride group? I did. There was only four of us. Okay. Um, I rode like 70 miles and we worked a couple sections really hard, which is what I needed to do. I I struggled that morning whether I should go do the state championship race. Mm -hmm. I saw that Evan was going to be racing it, and, yeah. and Weirman, and Guy Van, yep. and Goodman, and we're, all you're going to do the four Nate, five. With I us? was going to come do the four five. Oh, with that you. would have been fun, Lance. But we I, could have annoyed the peloton together. I, it would have been great. <laughs> Actually, when I saw that Evan was racing, I'm like, I need to go do that. I should race with Evan. This sounds great. <laughs> but that morning, we'll do it again next year. I it promise. Just, yeah. It just, I, I knew that it would be, it, it might ruin the this next right. week yeah. for me. Yeah. And so that was that that race was a like like I had to hold myself back that last lap because that race could have been incredibly hard. Like, yeah, I'm sure like destroyed. yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk to Chris Serrett. I mean, that was a massive effort in the three field, too. I know I was talking to other people after. I mean, there's lots of results we can talk about from the race. But that was I think everybody at the end of that race would agree. That was a hard course. Yeah, that was not an easy, easy day. Yep. Yeah. So I skipped a race, which I there you go. I, Very I rare had, for you I to had, skip races. I had FOMO the whole rest of the day. Oh, yeah. I was oh, so, yeah. I was bummed the whole rest of the day that I didn't make it, but it, I just felt like it was the right call for me. So yeah. you'll thank yourself on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I had, I had a good, I had a good three days of training. I mean, and what did you do Sunday? I, I didn't. Took a day off. I, okay. I, I rode five miles just to make sure my, my Garmin's been wonky. And so I, yeah. I had to, Re, I had to I had to reboot it completely. Really? So, yeah. Huh. So um, firmware update. Yeah, I had to 
yeah, I had to do the whole bit. Was there a firmware update that caused it to go wonky? There was. I hate that about Garmin. Mine keeps on asking me to. I'm going to ignore it then. Yeah. So I keep on ignoring it. Good. Yeah. I've got, it's all working beautiful now, but like I need the courses on my Garmin for this, for this race, for this gravel ride. I want to be able to see how long the climbs are oh, while yeah, I'm climbing. Yeah. I want to be able to see how pacing, much yeah. at pacing. So yeah. it took me a long time to get it figured out. So that's all I did yesterday. But the day before that, I rode like 60 miles. And the day before that, I rode out to Multnomah Falls mm-hmm. like 70 okay. miles. I put like four hours a day in on the bike because <laughs> I need my body to be used to those efforts. Because this right. race is going to be yeah. five or six hours every day for five days. That's actually, honestly, you, you staying away from Silverton was probably for, I mean, long-term, like, like Jake said, like you're going to be thankful on that day. Cause that, that TSS would have been way too much, been big. too much of a, yeah. You had a close call you. when you went out to Multnomah Falls. Do you want to talk about that real quick? <laughs> I did. I <laughs> Sent me a picture. I'm that. like, oh my God, do you need me to come pick you up? <laughs> I was riding through Troutdale, um, which is at the gateway to the Columbia River Gorge. That's the, As that's they their, branded yeah. themselves. Yes. Yes. Smart, <laughs> smart branding. I it have is. To say. Yep. And, and the Columbia River Gorge is just a, beautiful spot to to ride a bike there are so many there's there's a there's just great climbs out there and great beauty and so i'm riding through downtown troutdale which is this old troutdale part i'm right behind a truck um the truck was turning left and so i went to go around the truck to the left of the truck and a car pulled out in front right, of it the truck was turning left the truck was turning right pardon me Truck, truck, truck was turning right. right. Okay. Yeah, I was going left of the yeah. truck to go around gotcha. it, and a car pulled out in front of the truck because he didn't see me. Ooh. And yeah, I I had to lock up my brakes. I, I he stopped. We both saw each other at the same time. It right. was just as much my fault as it was his fault. This was not just the driver's fault. Sure. I was completely in his blind spot. As I'm going around the truck, I was peeking to make sure I didn't see somebody come out. And oh, somebody's coming out. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had the foresight to be peaking but i shouldn't have been going that fast yeah but well you can kind of go you're starting on that downhill you know after right. that and you can kind of go fast right so yeah so i locked up my disc brakes disc brakes saved me um, disc brakes. um i it didn't really hit him i didn't but i i but i skidded my rear tire and so I pulled off the side of the road, and sure enough, I'd ripped a whole patch off my tire. It was down to the cords. It's down to the cords. This is a relatively new GP5000, correct? Uh, maybe it probably, four months, three months old, something yeah, like that? Yeah, but you know, it's got like 2,000 miles on it. But still. <laughs> wow. So I, I ripped a whole patch off the tire. I'm 15 miles into the ride. It's tubeless set up. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. So it didn't, it didn't flat, and I thought, okay... Um, What's the plan here? What's the plan here? I thought, should I just turn around and drive ride home? Um, I have, <laughs> right? I have a boot and I have a, a tube. If That's it if it really does go rubber. right, and I just said, forget it, and just I said, I'm going to ride till it goes flat. It didn't flat. The whole ride. So it was all just the way fine home? after that? And yeah. how far did you, wow. go? did you go? all the way to Multnomah Falls? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you like back. 80 miles. So I put in seven, it's from my house is 70. 70 miles. So yeah. it was 70 miles total. Yeah, you were about, what, 18, 20 miles into your ride? I was 15 miles 15 into the 15 miles into your ride. And so, yeah, you went quite a long ways. I went a long ways with a big bear patch on it. <laughs> so Well, that's a testament to the, the GP5000. Yes. Those are some tough tires. Yeah. And looking on the inside of the tire, it looked... You should shoot him an email. It looked fine. Yeah. So it's like, funny. I get back. I get two new tires from Jake, and I set them both up tubeless. Um, I went 
I went and wrote again <laughs> that night yeah. just to make sure that I had them set up. And then I rode really hard the very next morning and flatted on it again because I rode over something. <laughs> Wait, you flatted with the... Was... I put brand new tires on and I rode over something and it it. Were flatted. they tubed? They were no. I set them up tubeless. How so, did it flat? Well, it went from you know seventy five psi to forty psi. It didn't it? Didn't lose it. Oh, okay. But I cut the brand new tire. I oh. hate it when I do that. I cut the brand new do tire. Do you just aim well, for sharp things when you ride? I don't know. Like this Lance just find sharp rocks. It, and- it wasn't in the sidewall, but I did cut oh, the okay. brand new tire. I I um it the the sealant did seal on it did its job yeah yeah i went home all i did was pump it up and kept going and it's it's fine that sucks though yeah i just (laughs) bummed that i cut my brand new tire yeah so all right my back pedal enough of me (laughs) i'll go ahead and back pedal and then and uh we'll jump into the rest of the show um as i talked about last week on the podcast we did the team time trial my shoulder did not like that at all I woke up last Monday morning. I think I might have even mentioned this, but I when I first got up in the morning, I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to race tonight or ride a bicycle at all today. I'm so sore. It's basically if you could kind of take and throw all into a big mixing pot, um, like the feeling of tightness, stiffness, burning, pinching, and aching, ball oh. that up into a big ball and just shove it in your shoulder. That's what I've been feeling for this entire past week. And that's how I felt even worse after the time trial when I got up on Monday. Got up, um, kind of worked it out a little bit, went through the day, and I'm just about ready to get the, the truck packed up to take my son and uh, myself over to the short track to go race. And I was half thinking about just not even taking my bike. I almost mm-hmm. left it at home. I'm like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to take it anyway because I'm going to go pre-ride the course with my son, make sure that he knows everything. And that's a good thing, too, because we got out there. There were some tricky little sections. And there was one section where mm-hmm. the youths, the, the juniors, the younger ones at least, could not make it up this hill. They couldn't right. even run their bikes up without their feet slipping out from underneath them and falling and everything just sliding back down the hill. So <laughs> it was we one had, really steep, yeah. short pitch up section that the kids just, just couldn't, couldn't make it up. up. You know, there was yeah. a lot of like, you know, lower level category people that couldn't get up it as well. I, I saw so many people fall down on that. So he was pretty frustrated and, and such. And we ended up figuring out a different way to skin that cat. And um, it worked out perfectly. And he actually ended up getting up it a lot faster than other people that were like much older than him, adults. Like he'd get off his bike and he'd run underneath the flag and run like right next to the, the flagged uh, part that like, you know, shows you where you're going yeah. and runs around the pole that it ties off to and jumps back on his bike and keeps riding. And he was doing it much faster than other people once yeah. we got it all figured out. And he was pretty proud of himself for <laughs> that. But. So anyway, I got out there, did the pre-ride, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> this sucks, it hurts, but I think I'm out here. I'm kind of getting the race vibe. Maybe I'll go ahead and put the put, pin on the number put and the go number race. And, go. <laughs> and so um, I went ahead and got my bike set up. I put the kit on and I'm like, this is going to be a crappy race. And I, I'm telling myself, just take it easy and, you know, just go out there and maybe try and get a few points to stay within the series. And this worst case scenario will be your tossway race because they take the best seven out of eight. On top of that, the I'm having problems race. with my bike. Oh, yeah. And Jake was considering just letting me race his bike and him not racing. Yeah. And that's why I told him, like, Lance, you're racing this regardless. If I can't figure out what's wrong with your bike, you'll just take mine and I'll sit on the sidelines. But we got his bike squared away and I was I was good. So we all line up and they blow the whistle and I purposefully wanted to jump in. I kind of let a few people go around me and I just wanted to sit on wheels. Me, and- <laughs> Danny, <laughs> yeah. took off. <laughs> and I think there was even like uh, Terry Hamness was in front of me and um, 
Chris Weirman was in there in, in the mix as well. And I just kind of sat in for the first lap. And then as we're going, like I'd, I'd taken some uh, Advil before the race and mm-hmm. I, the, you mix that with the adrenaline and all of a sudden like my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after a lap, I just went ahead and started coming around a couple of people. And then, um, I think it was the second lap that Lance had come around Danny and, um, eventually I came around Danny and then I came around Lance and then just kept riding and I ended mm-hmm. up getting a pretty sizable lead, which was kind of cool and just kind awesome. of held that to the finish. So that was, uh, my first win since, uh, getting hit by the car. So won the race. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is was so awesome. That was awesome. Uh, that was a happy moment for me because yeah. I got to watch my son race. He did well. He beat some kids like he dfl'd it the first week because it was so hard for him but he, yeah. f- he figured some things out and we uh, helped him i think he beat like um most of the kids in his age group mm-hmm. which there wasn't a lot of them but he um two or three of them if i'm not yeah. mistaken which is cool so i gotta watch him race i gotta um go out there and race myself and i gotta watch everybody else race and just had a blast so that was that was a, a, a win for me Fast forward to the next morning, and my shoulder was really pissed off at me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super was... pissed at me. So, I, um, I, mostly for the last week, just stayed off the bike and rode mm-hmm. the trainer, just to give it some rest, so that I don't put any strain on it. Um, we did our uh, Fog Hat Friday ride, a little social ride on Friday. Mm-hmm. I rode over there, and it was feeling tight. And during the ride, we're going super slow. I mean, we're going yeah. like. 13 14 15 miles an hour it's just it was a, slow yeah it's just a casual ride you know and then i rode home and i'm like there's no way i'm going to be able to do the state championship race on on saturday with the way that it feels after doing a slow ride I, i'm not going to be able to sit on the bubble for two and a half hours and mm-hmm. be competitive especially if it's going to be hot and yeah. we're going to be out there hammering mm-hmm. so i um i threw up the white flag and i went ahead and registered to um drive in the caravan. So I drove the lead car for the race that I was supposed to be in and, mm-hmm. um, just didn't race. So I went down there, took a bunch of pictures, got to drive. That's a blast. If you guys it's ever get fun. a chance to go do yeah. that, do it at least once. But I, I can't begin to tell you how much fun it is sitting in that lead car, watching the race unfold. Right. And like, I know a lot of these guys and I, there was a couple guys that I didn't know, but I did a little bit of research on them and I figured out who they were before the start of the race. And so I was just kind of seeing how the race would unfold. And it was really neat to watch the the group of nine break away from the rest of the field and watch the shenanigans that they had going down and just being on race radio and talking to everybody and kind of figuring out mm-hmm. all the splits. And it was just a blast. I sat in a car for almost 52 miles going, you know, <laughs> like we'll say average speed, 21 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. And it felt like it was like 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. It was really, it was a, a good time. Yeah. So, um, after the race, uh, drove home, and then yesterday again for Father's Day, I had like these grand plans of going and doing some big ride, and nope. <laughs> so just rode on the trainer again. So I've got my fingers crossed. I'm going to short track. I'm going to put on my kit. I'm going to get mm-hmm. out there, and I'm going to race. I'm just hoping that it kind of settles down for me a little bit so that I can yeah. uh, you know, go out there and have a little bit of fun. So I hope so. Yeah. I, hope, I hope I don't... Uh... I can stick on your wheel a little bit longer tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the legs were willing, but yeah, yeah. As long as that that uh, Advil kicks in with that adrenaline again, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I know Jake's Jake's comeback in his legs and fitness is definitely outpacing his shoulder Absolutely. right now. So yeah. yeah. So um, that was my week. It was uh, it was fun, but kind of crappy at the same time. So <laughs> I did get my wife to come out on the uh, oh, on, on the, the Friday, Friday ride. That, that yeah. was cool. 
And Man. she had a blast. She had a yeah. great time. She's like, that was so much fun. I'm so glad she went. Yeah. She rode like 30 miles because we yeah. Yeah, we rode to the ride and then did the ride and then rode home. So well, you guys rode to some barbecue or something, didn't you, after that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, my sister was having a barbecue at her house. So we, after that, we went to this barbecue and then we rode home. Yeah, so. Yeah. But she, she loved it. She was really happy to be able to have a group that she could ride with and not feel like she was yeah. going to get dropped from. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that she's was the point of that Friday. than she gives herself credit for anyway. So yeah. mm-hmm. it was cool to see her in a dial kit too. She, I managed to sneak her into a dial kit. <laughs> I forced her to wear the dial kit. <laughs> cool. All right, let's do some news. The lead out. Who wants to get us started? Evan, you look like we'll all go, chipper and ready to go here. We'll go big circle and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring the geographical circle down. So I'll start us off with our, our lead outs into the Tour de France here coming up. So the Criterium de Dauphiné was this last week. It's an eight-day stage race eight in France. Yeah. It's yep. usually the precursor to the that's, Tour de France. That's what it's known yes. for. Yep. Yep. yep, it is It is the, the you, you, you get to know some of the characters that will be in the Tour de France, what kind of fitness they're in. It can be fool's gold at times. I think when you look at it historically, it can very much be fool's gold, but the um, it definitely gives you an idea who's in shape. And so the, the, the winner was uh, Jakob Fogelsson, who has just been riding super strong this entire year. The entire 2019 season, Fogelsson has been one of the best cyclists in the world. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody should be able to argue that. I mean, he's he's got to be the top overall. When you look at everybody from spring classic riders to GC contenders, he's a top five rider right now in the world, I would say. Yeah. Just off results. I mean, the guy was competitive all spring. And now all of a sudden it looks like he could be competitive at the tour too. So that was great to see a good, a good performance out of him. Um, but the thing that I'll bring up because, you know, there, there were one, one big thing for the Americans happened and then one huge thing for the world happened. Uh, so Chris Froome on a training ride, uh, crashed and not just kind of crashed. He crashed into a wall so hard that he broke. Um, I'm going to try and get this all right. His femur, his pelvis, uh, turns out he actually broke his neck too. He had a cervical vertebrae fracture, yep. which was probably the most Gosh. serious, I think, of all of those, the scariest. Yep. Um, broke his uh, ulna too, I think, his elbow. Um, and I think he may have had another break in there. Ribs. Like four or five ribs. He had, or he had yeah. some ribs too. Um, and that's just, I mean, that's just scary. That that goes kind of beyond just like, oh, he's not racing in the tour. It was like, he's very lucky to be alive. So I yep. think kind of the racing world came together and that was. I think everybody was waiting on pins and needles for 24, 48 hours there just to make sure that he was going to be okay. Um, I know during the Criterium, uh, when I was watching the YouTube feed, they were just updating you on Froome, actually. Like, during the race, they during were the saying... Race. Yeah, they, they, they were saying... As like, the information came yeah, out. As, yeah, as, as the information was coming, they were updating everybody. Uh, so that's scary. So obviously, he will not be racing in the tour, which does, I mean, really give... It's it's going to be a bit of an open yeah. race. I think it changes everything. It yeah, does change oh, it a lot. absolutely does. Because I mean that team too. Yep. And Froome was very strong this year. Like yeah. he was looking really good going into that race. So, All the mess from last year is behind. I think him. I think it was well behind him. Yeah. 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 I think I think he was coming in with something to prove this year. So that opens it up to Garrett Thomas, Naira yeah. Quintana. Yeah. Uh, my underdog pick, Michael Woods, and, <laughs> but um, I it'll so the the criterium also had a very interesting result. T.J. Van Garderen was second by twenty seconds. Yep, in the GC, 
Which is amazing. Which is good. TJ has been around for a long time. Like a very long time. He's always been a good writer. Also a super nice guy from the people that I hear know the guy. Like that that guy you just want to see win, but he never has. He's just never been in, you know, in these big races. He just does not. He's not that top level, which is, you know, no knock on him. There's only 10 guys that can be in the top 10 of the tour each year. And he just is rarely in those last selections. You know, he's in week so three. close though. Yeah, and he. Well, I mean, it's always something small from him. It's yeah, like, it's like, it is. He doesn't he'll feel crash, well one day, or crash, yeah, a little stupid crash, or a mechanical, yeah. or yep. something like that. Yeah, and he yep. fell apart at the Euro in the last week. Yeah, yeah. He and I think that that's his main issue is that the 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 three week GC battle. There's always something that happens to TJ right. going into that third week. There's always something that takes him out of it in one of those big stages in the in the last week. Maybe this is the year, and he just has some luck, and he has a good good. I don't know. I mean, if it, if he has a really good time, like I don't see why he wouldn't be one of the top three mm-hmm. riders at the tour. Yeah. Like he's got the potential to do that. Yeah, I don't and, know. And the, you know, I mean, GC is when you look at a guy like so some of the younger names that are coming through, like uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Bernal from you know Sky and Egon Bernal. Yeah, I mean, there's there's young guys that absolutely you know the Yates like there's definitely these young guys that have the the ability to be super competitive in these GC races, but I think it takes years and years of getting your face kind of beaten in in these races to really know how to how to be a top five contender in them. Um, you get the the rare guy every once in a while who'll just come through young and dominate the race, whether that's a Contador or Lance early in his career or anybody like that, but. I think that you're going to see in this tour with it being wide open, that actually experience will be a little bit more important because there's not that one guy that everybody's got their eyes on. How do you feel about this? Uh, Trek Segafredo benched John Deckenkolb. I saw that. In favor of um, throwing everything that they can behind supporting Richie Port. Yeah. Do you think do you think Richie Port will survive? He he's another one of those guys speaking of older TJ Van Garder yeah, exactly. type guys. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's a great guy, super cool person, yep. but he's always got something that goes wrong yeah. with him. Right. And he I would love to see Richie Port win. Yeah. That that would be a great story. I mean, as much as as an American I'm, I'm cheering for TJ Van Garder, obviously, yeah. but like if I had to pick the second guy I want to win, I, yeah, I like it'd be Richie Michael Port. Woods and then number 3 is Richie Port. I think yeah. Richie Port's <laughs> a super cool person. I would love to see him do well. I so there's there's some weird stuff like sometimes I worry about politics within these teams you know like if there's if there's rumors of Richie Port moving teams next year how much he just signed with them oh he just signed with the Trek yeah he was with BMC BMC. he came off of BMC he he wasn't going to take a contract with uh, CCC so he's just signed with Trek this year that's yeah because I know the rumors were that he was looking to to move teams for a bit this is his first year with Trek yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was some other people like that that I was like concerned about, like even movie star. Yeah, where it's like they have well, K- Quintana for next year. Yeah. Quintana, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be moving, yeah. but then it was like, they, but there's three, there you know they have three people that could potentially be contenders on that yeah. team, and it's like, yeah. man, who do you, how are the politics play out that you know with that team? Well, and Richie Port has been like the support guy for yeah. Froome for so many years. It's like yeah. you want him to have his shot, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, he moves out on his own and has bad luck bad the right. last two years. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Really bad luck. Actually, terrible luck the last two years. Yeah. He had a terrible crash. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun tour. Everybody it will be. Tune in. Yeah. 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 Matt, you got some news for us? I don't have a ton of news. I mean, I I didn't pay that close attention to the Dolphin. I mean, we should probably mention, like, Woot Von Art. I thought... Oh, had that a, was amazing. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was amazing to see what he did. One of those yeah. people... I mean, he's just... He's so strong. One of the, was it us that were talking about like 
hey, if you are able to stay within like a minute of these guys in cyclocross and you see these guys come out and dominate in road races, like kudos to you guys that are out there doing cyclocross. Like I, I kind of think a lot of the roadies were like, kind of looking at cyclocross, like not taking it quite as seriously. And now you have these guys that are coming out and doing extremely well. And they're like, oh my gosh. Oh, those guys are, those guys are these legit. These guys are legit. Cyclocross, yeah. the cyclocross game is for real. Have it's you not, seen the, it was, you know, in in time trials, it's always easy to look at the physique of guys. Do you see the quads oh, on Wu Van Art? Yeah. He's gigantic. It's unreal. Like, I mean, it's very rare in a pro peloton where you look at a guy's legs and you're like, that stands out. His legs stand, stand out. Yeah. That's like Fabian Cancellara's legs. Right. Like Fabian Cancellara had a had exquisite legs. <laughs> like, like well, one step too far there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> now you're stopping. <laughs> I'll pull myself yeah. out now. No, I, 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 I think I saw a picture of him time trialing, and I was like, "That's pretty good." That's, you know, it's like he's got some good legs. He's got big, big legs, <laughs> big legs, good position on the yeah. TT bike. I'm like, "That's a good looking, you know, position." Yeah. Right I bet there. he's going fast. Uh, yeah, so he it's like a, push some pedals. Like a 26 kilometer time trial, and Woot Van Aert wins it. And mm-hmm. for those that don't know, Woot Van Aert is a three time. Um, world cyclocross champion yep. and cyclocross races are different because it's all bike handling and short power they're only an hour long right and it, it's been interesting this year that uh, uh matthew vanderpool has yep. just exploded on the road scene and then woot van art has gotten on um this jumbo Vizla team that he's doing great things and so he wins the time trial and then the very next day in a 200 kilometer stage race he wins the sprint. He wins the the stage overall in a field sprint. Yeah. So that's that's amazing to me that he won two stages in a row, yeah. two very different stages. Yeah. And who's who's really the the only guy I think you could point to that could do something like that in the past would be Fabian Cancellara. I mean, really thinking think yeah. a guy yeah. who can go and yeah. win a time trial and then go and win a group sprint. Yep. I mean, really, there's only a couple guys in history. That's amazing. Yeah. And he's 24. That'd be fun to watch. I was just about to look up his age. He's 24. Because I, I know I, when, yeah. when he was winning cyclocross world championships, he was like 18, 19, wasn't he? Uh, he, he was he, young. He won the U23 like twice. And oh, then, yeah. And then mm-hmm. like as a as a 21-year-old, he quit racing the U23 and was racing the senior one. Yeah. And then he won that three times. Yeah. yeah. So Amazing. Amazing. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, real quick, let's just go through the, um, the Obra state championship road yes. race i'm kind of um, this is the main lead out news regional state <laughs> local lead out news yeah I, that was a a lot of fun to be a part of really mm-hmm. bummed kind of like lance the whole fomo thing like being out there yeah. like at least i was able to sit in a car and kind of be like race adjacent to it when i was watching everything unfold my heart rate I, I if i go back and look at my watch cuz my watch takes my heart rate data i can guarantee you that my heart rate was elevated way higher than it should have been just, by just sitting in a car watching in the rearview mirror <laughs> were you masters lead out car or p12 lead out i was car? masters masters so, got it okay yeah okay. um I, I i couldn't stick around that long cuz mm-hmm. the, the how late in the day was was that race <sighs> Was that noon? Uh, the Masters race started at 12.30. Okay. I got there early, though. I got there at like 10.15, 10.30, somewhere in there, and mm-hmm. was basically driving the course in reverse. And then every time I saw a group of people coming, I would stop, pull over, and take photos, and then just keep trucking along. And then once I knew everybody was on the final lap, got back to the the finish line and, and took photos, uh, photo documented everybody coming in, um, not just for our team, but for everybody, and posted those up on our Flickr page so that people mm-hmm. can uh, have and keep and use how they please. So... 
Um, but that was uh, a 1230 race start time and it was a two and a half hour race. So I was there until three o'clock and that's when the, the P one twos took off was pretty much when the, the masters race wrapped up. Got it. And, um, for Robert Cummings, who was here mm-hmm. with us, I, um, was chat with him before, uh, their race and he, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, they were, yeah. um, needing yeah. somebody to do some bottle support for him. So yeah. I, um, I took his, their bottle. <laughs> My God, Robert, if you're listening to this, I'm trying so, so hard. So I'm trying so hard. <laughs> um, I took their bottle down to the, uh, the feed zone and, um, was able to, to hang out. And Robert looked so like happy before that race. I've never seen anybody look so confident going into yeah. like not not like oh I'm going to dominate this race sort of co- like confident. Yeah. He's you know Robert's kind of rode up to us and was just so like willing to chat about Relaxed. the course yeah. and I've never seen anybody look at that relax. I could have awesome. called it right there. I was like Robert is probably going to be in the top at least 5 of this race and he's so, you know he's Robert's going to do super super well. There, the race was going on, and I had stuck around afterwards because I was doing photos for kind of for Orbo too, taking um, podium shots and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And they got in two laps, and then I got back in the car to go drive down to the speed, the, the feed zone, so that I could get uh, the the bottle to them. And mm-hmm. uh, I pulled up to the feed zone literally as they were coming by. It was like within like one second. Like I pulled up, put oh, the wow. car in park, and they came by the feed zone. I'm like crap i missed it so that also meant that i had to hang out for another 45 minutes which was just like throwing the bottle at robert he probably could have caught it just like chucked it towards the front of the group (laughs) but um robert wasn't expecting the bottle until lap four anyway so that was okay and um so i ended up going back and just kind of hanging out for a a while and turn back around and went back down there when it was about 40 minutes and knowing that he's going to be coming soon Mm -hmm. and um hanging out there two of robert's teammates were down there and we all figured out that we were all there waiting for robert with bottle in hand we're like oh there's three <laughs> there's only three people in the feed zone <laughs> waiting for all for robert all for robert and i'm like yeah hey guys do you mind if i just give you this bottle it's been a long day for me like that's yeah, what sure that's what happens so, when you're fast you have you have a lot of people <laughs> wanting to give you bottles so. <laughs> so i jumped back in the car and um went back up to the the staging area and uh took a few more pictures said goodbye to everybody and right as mm-hmm. i'm pulling out the parking lot there comes the one two group and so I pretty much have to follow the the one two group all the way out yep. at their pace. I'm not going to go around them and try and pass them no. on, on course, but it was kind of neat because I got to see the select group that was fin- that was still in the, um, the the lead, the breakaway, and mm-hmm. they had a pretty good lead on the the rest of the field because they're going into their fifth lap. Which they're how many the, were in that group? Do you think ten maybe? Less than ten. I could probably go back and pick pull up the pictures. I want to say it was like seven or eight. Each field had like a seven to ten person break. I feel yeah, like the bigger yeah. fields, like that, was about as much as could make those yeah. breaks. The elastic snaps pretty hard on that middle yeah. climb. So um, I got to follow them all the way out, and I pulled over. <clears throat> and there's an opportunity opportunity for me to pull over and shoot some pictures, and I got some mm-hmm. pictures of Robert, and I'm like, Robert's looking good, and. Yeah. Fast forward after I left, um, I shot a text over to Robert and said, hey, how did things go? I'm, I'm curious because I saw that you were in that lead group. And sure enough, um, he is the new state champion. Yep. So there is yep. a caveat to this, though. He did not actually win the race, That's, but you have to yeah. be an OBRA member and an Oregon resident or um, where we live here in, in southern Washington is considered uh, close enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we're all OBRA members. But there's a, a pro kid. Um, I think he's only 20 years old, if I'm not mistaken. 21. 21? Wow. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Cameron Beard. Cameron Beard. Yeah. Won the race by about 50 seconds. And, and Robert said, 
that this kid was just a beast on the bike and rightfully so i mean he's pro he's racing professionally yeah um so um he won the race but robert is now the oregon state road racing champion that's awesome that he gets to In put up on his mantle next to his uh mountain bike um, cross-country championship. championship and um in the discipline that he really doesn't actually care that much about right? it no. like, yeah. and <laughs> the discipline he just does because because robert needs to for training yeah <laughs> i see a cyclocross state championship yeah. in his future the yeah key, absolutely they are extremely strong right now and um robert has been putting in a lot of time and energy and effort into the strength training that um that was discussed in the prior podcast and this training on the bike looks fantastic so i wish robert um all the best yeah. That, that short, sort of course shows that his strength training is going well because that's not a pure climber's course. Mm-hmm. That was rolling enough to where you needed to be a strong cyclist, like yes. very strong to yes. win that race. So, yeah. So there was that. Kudos. And, um, congrats, Robert. That's yeah. awesome. Congrats, yeah. Robert, from yeah. the podcast. Yeah, kudos yeah. on Strava really doesn't do that justice. Yeah. That's yeah, so no. awesome, that, that, that result. Yeah. And then our own Nels Martin. He yes. is the uh, junior men's state champion for the road racing scene. And what's even better is that um, Nels, Hayden uh, Wester, uh, Hayden um, Weirman, Weirman, Weirman oh, yeah. sorry, Hayden, and Tiger Westerfield, that was getting yeah. too mixed up, um, one, two, three, that podium. So yeah. th- they were all up on the podium there together, and it was fantastic. Um, when I actually first got to the race and I was pulling in, um, I just pulled into the parking lot, and I see a, a kid solo off the front, and I look, and I'm like, that's a dial kid. I look closer, and it was Tiger Westerfield. Mm-hmm. He had about a three-minute gap on the rest of the field. Really, three minute lap gap going into the after the first lap, yeah. Oh wow! And And they 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 raced two laps, three laps. Oh, three laps! Wow. Yeah, they were like that's a lot of riding for those kids. Thirty-two miles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, that's that's two laps. Two laps. Two laps would have been thirty-two then, right? Three. Three was. Did they do two two laps? They did two laps. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So I guess that that was the first one. So I came a long ride. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I went out on course and drove around and got pictures. Probably. 10 miles, eight miles from that spot. In that that time period, um, Hayden and Nels Martin broke away from the rest of the group mm-hmm. and they worked together and they reeled him in um, <laughs> within like a six or seven mile um, uh, time period. Oh my goodness. I was like, holy crap, poor Tiger. He, Talk he about was, t- <laughs> he, he thought he was in a position where he's going to solo this thing off the front, and those two uh, reeled uh, him back team in. Dynamics. Back. Yeah. And I actually got, I took some pictures of them. I, I think if you go and look at the, the Flickr photos that I've posted, um, you'll see a picture of the three of them. Um, yeah, I saw that. That was right where they caught him. And as soon as that was... Um, that you know, they passed me. I went ahead and started driving back to the start, and I saw your guys' group stop. Mm-hmm. Took some pictures there, and then I got back to the finish so that I could watch the the end. And yeah. um, it was fun standing up there at the the top, and I was standing with his dad, Sean Martin. And it's kind of hard to see. It's kind of like a long downhill, and then it kind of rolls back up, and then you kind of see some trees. So we could see the lead car, and it kind of come up over this little riser, and it comes down. And then you see a couple bodies, and. And I told him like they they caught back up, but, but you could not tell who the lead was. Oh, and then it comes up over, bodies. and then it comes up over one more riser, and you see the car, the lead uh, car for the caravan comes up over, and then he starts to kind of drive up the hill to get out of the way, and then you see this little head poke up, and it was Nels. And Sean's eyes just got big, and he got this big giant smile. He's like, "No way!" <laughs> and Nels got out of the saddle, and he just he danced right up that hill, and then you could see that's a uh, steep last two hundred meter climb it too. It is and very steep. Yeah, and yeah. You, then you 
you could see um, in not not too far behind him, but it was a pretty sizable gap. It was Hayden yeah. Weirman, and Hayden is just a monster. But um, Nels, Nels beat Hayden. That's that that yeah. to me like Nels over the last year clearly has just developed awesomely yeah. as a cyclist. Yeah. That is That's so fantastic. so cool. Now Nels did say that Hayden, Hayden did quite a bit of the work to reel yeah. Tiger in, but still they they were both working and there was both. Yeah, it was it was painful because it was climbing all to catch him. Yeah. Um, but Nels he laid it down and and Hayden wasn't too far behind him and um, Tiger was not too far behind uh, um, Hayden. So the the three of them went one two three and. It was awesome. Got a bunch of pictures of that. A lot so, of future. Yeah, these pictures are awesome. A lot of future state yeah. podiums out of those three. <laughs> I'm seeing a long, long history yeah. of podiums between them. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see here, in the um, the four or five group that you raced in, the, the notables mm-hmm. there were Mike Guyvan took fourth place, fourth. Yep. which was a strong finish with Very all those cats game. that were just flying. Yeah. Um, in the cat threes, we had Chris Surratt. He uh, he took fourth place in that road race, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, and then the it was a whole omnium weekend. So you had the road race, mm-hmm. and then you had on Sunday morning you had the time trial, and then in the yep. afternoon you had the uh, the crit. So Chris um, Surratt actually got second place overall in the omnium, which is a fantastic result after yep. pouring himself oh, into wow. that road race to get the fourth place to come out. And I think he got second place in the time trial, and I think he was what like fourth or fifth in the in the crit in the crit he was in position to uh to place in the top three or top two in the crit on the last corner he got bumped and and, um ended up in the gravel oh he didn't go down but he lost a position yeah and if if he hadn't gotten bumped he he would have won the whole omni oh that's oh so close that's that's crit racing yeah i was chatting with him via uh, messenger but i didn't get the the specifics so um he's coming to short track tonight with his kid so i was hoping i was hoping to get i I don't think he's gonna race i as a matter of fact i would hope that he doesn't race because he's getting (laughs) ready for baker and he's probably spent right now he probably needs a day yeah (laughs) but he's gonna drive up bring his kids to let them race but oh that's cool um but yeah, uh, as far as the rest of the race, I mean, everybody did super well. Um, we had our masters group. We had, let's see here. Sorry, a little dead air. Uh, we had John Hatfield. He took uh, eighth place. Andy Levine took uh, ninth place. And Whitney took 12th place. And Jay Small took 14th place. Yeah. Chris Hitchcock was 19th place. Um, there was a was it Paul... Borsier. Borsier, is that how you say that? I think so. Yeah, he won the masters 50. And then the, the masters 40 plus... Um, the winner there was a uh, uh, Callan Russell, pretty strong guy. I'd never raced against him before. And yep. I don't even recall ever seeing his name. And I went and looked at his profile, and like we've just never raced against each other ever. But he's a, a strong cat too guy. So anyway, great day for racing. Um, Oprah put on a fun weekend. A lot of people came out and raced their bicycles, and there's a lot of new state champions. And congratulations to all of them. Thanks mm-hmm. for racing. All right, let's jump into our topic for the day: bike fits. Bike, bike fits. fits. What do you guys know about bike fits? <laughs> hmm. Let's talk about bike fits. I what got, does anybody know about bike fits, really? You know, you got all these different kinds of bikes that we love to ride, and yeah. you got to be set up so that you're ergonomically sounding correct to ride them so that you're not hurting yourself and that you're able to perform. So I just wanted to jump into bike fits and see kind of what your guys' thoughts are, what maybe some of the things that you've dealt with in the past, and um, mm-hmm. kind of go from there. I know that Evan's got some experience fitting. and um, I like to just... Matt. Have him stand over the tube. No, I'm joking. I'm completely joking. <laughs> you know, and Matt and um, Lance have got a lot of experience with themselves. Um, I don't think that they've ever worked professionally, but they've also probably you know spent a lot of time researching for themselves. And, yes. Um, probably helped a few other people in their day too, just kind of get set up. So, yep. um, first off, 
road versus time trial how vastly different are these two bikes oh to, to, to ride you know we, we well, know man. this pretty well after the the state championship time trial yeah. which, um, which one comes with a puke bag <laughs> the time the trial, time trial bike. Well, it also comes well, that's with why the saddle sore. Are, that's saddle why your hands are out oh, in front dude. of you so it can catch everything awesome. so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so traditionally you know if you guys aren't super familiar with a lot of time trialing stuff um, the actual bike geometry is slightly different um, so basically your seat should be significantly further forward um, which brings you kind of like up and over the bike a little bit more so so it's seats a bit more raised because it's further forward if you think of like just the angle of it um, that's you know that's just how that would work and so um, then of course obviously you're you know you're down in the front in the arrow bars and things like that and and you know and we've talked about this before in this podcast you know it's not always like slam the stem and get as low as possible i mean that's kind of like the i mean yes you are going to get low for sure but you kind of still want to have some sort of stability there you want to be able to put your head in the correct position you know everyone's trying to have their back as flat as possible but it's i think it's okay to kind of consider you know five ten degrees of you know elevation to that back as something mm -hmm. that's actually still a really good fit and yeah. again depends on flexibility depends on a whole bunch of other stuff uh then you go to the road bike you know and again you're, you're sitting back more and maybe even with mountain biking too like do yeah. you just keep moving back you know as you kind of are working towards different types of bikes i'm not sure but i know on a road bike for sure you're, you're gonna you know seat's gonna come back a good bit you're sitting upright a lot more yeah mm -hmm. um the idea you know from what i've read is like your fit shouldn't be that much different but you're gonna rotate that whole kind of like from your butt forward it's like the mm -hmm. idea that you would rotate around the bike similar fit similar numbers and things like that except for the whole thing is slightly rotated which seems weird and i don't know if i really 100 percent believe that because every time i've ever switched bikes it's there's a kind of um, you have to get comfortable and things like that and i don't think that i have like just a same perfect fit that i use on every bike that's just rotated um but you know it's a good kind of something to strive for at least kind of conceptually to kind of think like okay you you know you do have the same spot you're just sitting um seat further back you know on the road bike and then you're rotating everything forward on the time trial bike so i don't know mm -hmm. it's a way to think through the different bike types so evan as a yeah. physical therapist how many people mm -hmm. do you see coming to see you that are hurt because of a, a Mis byproduct misfit yeah yeah or yeah there's you know uh, uh, over the last two years i've done i think in the clinic a few bike fits I don't have that much time right now in the clinic. In the future, I will have time in the clinic to kind of be able to focus on those more. But I always preface that with, I'm more looking how your body looks on there. I don't mm -hmm. use the the fit technology in the in the clinic that's looking at power output or anything like that. Um, and usually somebody, I don't think that having those systems is some secret system that, that needs to be seen by only somebody certified by it. I think you can generally look at somebody and be like, how powerful does that feel? Do you, do you feel yeah. like you can put out power for an extended period of time in that position? And if yeah. they don't know, you have them right in that position for 30, 45 minutes that you see. Any, any position. So when we're talking about like muscle fiber length at rest and at different positions in the pedal stroke is really what is going to determine your efficiency for a long period of time. So this is why when we're talking about like slamming the stem, maybe in you know, certain cycling circles, that's like the cool thing to do. Slam the stem, get as low as you can, get as arrow as you can. But if you're not somebody who has either the lumbar or pelvic stability, basically to rotate your pelvis into that position and still put out good, what I would call motor patterns, which is 
basically how efficiently are your muscles firing in that position? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's your your typical pro tour cyclist is going to have a great motor pattern in that position because they've trained. It's no secret they've trained hours and hours and hours in that position. Yeah. It's not something you wake up and do one day. And that's something that I've seen with a lot of people over yeah. the years is that they'll go out on a ride and they'll see, like maybe they'll go ride with a bunch of guys that have been riding for a long time. Maybe yeah. they're racers and they're going to see a very aggressive position. And then they mm-hmm. all of a sudden think, I need to I be, need in, that to be in that position. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. No. You've got to work to that position. No. And that's where working with a fitter is going to really help you exactly. make those, um, those little baby steps to get into that position if that's really where you want to be. Exactly. So. And, and, and a good fitter is going to have the eye for that. Um, you know, I mean, that's why your fitter looks at your flexibility, looks at your strength. If a fitter ever asks you to do a single leg squat, that's basically what they're looking at is what is, what is you, how does your body move? Are you going to be able to get to that position? Cause I mean, when you look at somebody like uh, the best example I see is like Peter Sagan is so Sagan is actually a really elite athlete in in the word in the sense athlete, that guy actually does a lot of training. Like we talked about with Robert doing weight room training yep. makes, makes him gives his body more variability, less specificity. So if you go back to, let's say like the 1960s and only train on your bicycle and that's all that you do, your body gets locked into that motor pattern. If you train in different capacities, that's how you end up at the end of the day, allowing yourself to get into more aggressive positions. Mm -hmm. You can do it by slowly changing your fit, but it's probably worth your while to start doing some, some strength training on the side too, because it is hard holding those aggressive positions and for a while. And as Jake found out on his TT bike with, you know, Jake pre-accident going to be able to hold that TT position. But the, the time trial bike is not a position that Jake spends a lot of time in, in general. Yeah, my kinetic chain fell apart very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. whole thing just came tumbling down. It is it is a motor pattern that he's not very <clears throat> exposed to. Just like if you threw mere mat on a mountain bike, mm-hmm. Jake's going to blow away from us like we are standing still. That's a position that a lot of triathletes train. So you, yeah. you get into that motor pattern, into that aggressive position. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so for a, for a beginner mm-hmm. that is just trying to figure out bike fit, what are the most important things? Is it seat height? Is it stem length? Is it handlebar height? What, what, what's well, the most Lance, important? Lance, I'm glad you asked that question. And I, you didn't even set me up on purpose. Here's five things, All five right. signs that you have a bad bike fit. Okay. So Jake's always got his like, like top 10 list. <laughs> All right, the first one's going to be neck pain. Um, if you're experiencing neck pain, um, you're probably a little bit too stretched out. And that usually means that your saddle's a little too far back or means your stem is a little far too, too um, far out. Mm-hmm. And you could be in a position where you're too aggressive as well. And typically speaking, with um, that position, to fix that, you want to shorten the stem up. You want to bring the saddle up into a, a, a comfortable region, but you don't want to bring it all the way forward because if you bring it all the way forward, then you're going to start to develop knee pain, and we'll get into that in just mm-hmm. a moment. But there's going to be a sweet spot of where your saddle should be in relationship uh, in relation to the bottom bracket and how your legs are turning over the pedals. But generally speaking, you're going to want to take a look at the stem. If you're, if you're too far or too hunched over, you can um, put spacers in your steer tube potentially if you've got some extra spacers that you can stack underneath the stem to make that a little bit higher or you can get a stem that's a little bit shorter or you can get a stem that has an upward angle to it so they can get you in a little bit more of an upright position so that your body can become more acclimated to that position and then over the course of time we can talk about getting you into that more aggressive aero position if you need to i mean if you're going to go out and do some road racing you definitely do want to get into a more aero position but that that's the first one so have you guys ever dealt with neck pain oh yeah yeah. Well, I mean, so yeah, not, so not I think, a ton in racing for me either. Here's yeah. the thing: I think mm-hmm. when you're on a TT bike, there's there's some slight differences because you're 
um, you're you're basically you're you're testing the limit of how long you can hold this position that's slightly uncomfortable. So you're yeah. gonna if you don't have neck pain, that's awesome. Um, maybe your neck's just strong and created, you know. But like, if you're gonna try to hold a TT position for 200 miles, you sh- I would imagine that you're gonna have some neck pain, shoulder pain, like traps yeah. all mm-hmm. through the neck. Yeah. That's just tricky because you're kind of looking up. You know, if you will have a decent TT position, you kind of have to arch your head up to look up to see traffic because um, you want to see traffic, you, you know. It would technically yeah. be faster if you just stared down at the road because um, you can bring your head in line a little bit easier that way. And sure. some TT people actually do that. They just kind of like glance up at the road occasionally. But again, you know, it's all those glances and things like that that your neck gets tired. So, so I can remember where as a mm-hmm. kid, the first time I saw a time trial bike, I'm like, oh, that bike looks pretty cool. It looks aggressive. And it looks super comfortable, too, because you can rest yeah. your arms on it. And you can kind of support <laughs> yourself. And then the very first time I rode one, I'm like, what is this witchcraft? This, this thing is, this <laughs> thing is evil. And that's, and that's began Jake's hatred of time trial. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're squirrely. Your weight's so far forward that you just don't. It, they're squirrely. Yeah. yeah. So for you yeah. guys, for Evan and Matt, you guys spend yep. a lot of time on your TT bike. Do you yeah. guys do any supplemental exercises to help you? Like you've got pretty good fits right now and, and getting into that zone is important, but do you guys do any kind of supplemental mm-hmm. exercise? To keep I don't, yourselves? I don't. I mean, I think the thing that might be helpful would be um, doing some plank exercises mm-hmm. uh, just because for me, like when I do basically a hundred miles or so in the time trial position, I do get really tired in the kind of in that, you know, shoulder, like, lower neck area. Um, but I, my thought process is like, well, you got to do some of those long rides to build up that strength, you know? And and I just do it. And then, uh, typically by the end of the triathlon season, I'm, I'm there, I can do some of the, you know, 100, 120 and and be okay in that position. I I would say the, the, the two exercises to consider along with planks. Um, I used to do quite, quite a few planks getting used to that position. Uh, the two other is, um, anybody who's ever seen a push up plus, which is, Basically, you do a push-up and then you kind of round your shoulder blades around your back and then bring them back. Uh, you can just YouTube that if you want, like a video of it. But those sort of exercises in either a plank position or also uh, just doing pull-ups in general, whether that means you're doing assisted pull-ups, um, band pull-ups, if people have ever seen where you can tie a band, that kind of helps you come up and down or just pure pull-ups. Uh, that reason being, as Matt had mentioned, your your trap complex, your trapezius complex that kind of surrounds your, your shoulder blades. And in that TT position, that's really, you're really challenging your shoulder blade stability on your, on your thoracic spine or on, or on your back. And if you, those muscles do not have great endurance and strength, mm-hmm. you're going to slouch into that position. And then that's when some, when, as soon as something loses endurance, something else has to pick up the slack. And uh, that's, that's where you're going to see people develop neck pain is because now there's, they, there's not this firm base for that right. neck to be held by. So now the neck is going to be a little bit sloppy in that position. And I always wonder too, where it's like, okay, that's great. Like, how do you, how do you train for something where it's like for 112 you, miles? Right. Right. <laughs> it's, like, Man. Yeah. it's great. Like I can do some plank exercise and things like that. Like whatever, you know, maybe like try to hold a plank for a minute or something like that. It's like, that's great. Mm-hmm. But like, 
We're talking four hours. Yeah. Of, like, there, so, there's no training for that except no. for doing it in yeah. some ways. I mean, and, I'm, and I could be wrong, right? Like, yeah. uh, maybe if I do some of these exercises, I may come back here and be like, I was way off. I, you need to do these exercises. I don't know. Yeah, I think doing those in conjunction with just finding yeah. time yeah. to saddle. To do the training but, time. Working on the trainer is great because you yeah. can be in that position in a controlled environment for long periods yeah. of time and just slowly start to add volume over, yeah. you know, like every week add like 5%. Exactly. And then also it's more about having that stability when let's say you hit a roller in that position, because reasonably, even if you're holding that TT position for like what we think is a long time, we're really shifting in and out of that position actually yep. more than we realize in oh, a yeah. race. Uh, and I can say that from personal experience that a race I did this year, Galveston, that was the longest time I've ever spent in a held arrow position. That was basically held arrow position to the turnaround and back. So the only time I came out of that position was at the turnaround, yeah. oh, wow. which was a long time. And now wow. looking at that, I was like, oh, wow, I need to get back to my plank and, you know, like kind of your, your exercise. Yeah. I need to, I need to get back to what I, what I preach. But yeah, that was, it's, I think in triathlons, especially like we'll use like Ironman Canada as an example. Yep. I mean, how much time do you think you're like a, your average triathlete would really be spending an arrow in that course? I think that there are some pros that go a long time, surprisingly. Well, they, they climb like in climb in the air. That's, I don't, that's not well, smart. I was talking to a, I know. I was talking to a pro. I won't, I won't name names since you said it wasn't smart. But I was like, <laughs> I, I, I do have an opinion. I have a I really an opinion. annoying opinion, you have an on opinion on that. I hate that that's and coached that's, that way. That's what I said. I was like, you know, I was like, for Arizona, you know, I was like, one of the big things that I want to do is train, spend a ton of time in the arrow bars and things like that because you can literally stay mm-hmm. in arrow the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, but you know, I was asking him like he had done Canada and I was like, how, you know, how's Canada? Did you feel like you were kind of sitting up a lot? And he's like, no, I stay down in the bars most of the time. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of climbing. So, so. this is, this is a small tangent from Fitz, just a small tangent, but it's kind of that's in how, there too. That's what we do. So in triathlon, <laughs> there is this, I don't know where this came from. And I would love to talk to the person who came up with it. Cause I would have a lot of things to say and arguments to be made about it. But there came this this thing where people were saying you need to climb in the arrow position as a triathlete because it saves your running muscles. Oh. Which to me is so Matt, what as a runner, how active would you say your quads are when you run? Well, I just on on I, even a hilly course, flat course, anything. Right. And, and I'm talking Super from EMG different. studies. Very active. I mean, look at runners. It's, when they land, what's the most noticeable muscle group? I think calves and like basically. Oh, calves. I mean calves are definitely but, active, but, but yeah. Quads are pretty turned Qu- on there. Quads are turned on, sure. Yeah. I think, I I don't know. I think it's one of those things where you should look at the aerodynamic data and be like, I'm going to, you know, decide at certain mile per hour that this is okay for me to sit up out of the bars, right? Yeah, where it's like, exactly. And, that, and I would say that's probably somewhere in that like eight miles an hour or something like that. If you're climbing yeah. and you're, you know, what you start you to slip the underneath. Position you don't need to be under. Yeah. Your, your glutes are so stretched out in that position that when we talk about that functional length I mentioned later, you're putting a massive muscle group way out of its appropriate range. You're not position. saving any energy and by yes. being in the like if arrow bars. If you're not Marco Panettone, who climbs in the drops? Well, right. Really? Right. Like, I mean, so like, and, and it's a chance to give your muscles that break. Exa- they, exactly. They can yeah. use. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and everyone, everyone's number should be different, right? Like for me, yeah. if it's like eight or nine miles an hour or something like that, someone else might be seven or six, yeah. you know, it's just like, hey, yeah, don't. You, this is a chance yeah. to sit up and drink. And just and and, and I just don't know where where that adage came from that you're saving your running muscles. I would really love to talk to somebody. Like, what muscles do you think are on when you're running? I can promise you, during that pedal stroke in the time trial position, you're using them. So I think it has to do with like this concept of like in a in a you know if we're talking bike positions yeah. on this particular you know piece, it's like having that rotated further forward. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I think that that was like the idea that you your legs are used slightly differently. You're not using your glutes and stuff as much. I think that because yeah, I know you're rotated forward, yeah. and that that would save your running legs. The, the the problem with that though is that it's actually your 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 glutes are out of range of what they should be used at, but they're still being used. Yeah. Oh yeah. So absolutely. they're still fatiguing just at a further range, basically. And the other thing that I think might be even more critical to like saving your running legs would probably be like you know talk of like the cadence and things yeah. like that yeah exactly like you know, actual effort and watt output right. through the race yeah. you see how different triathlon fit is compared to road oh, yeah. cycling fit oh yeah is this a triathlon takeover i think we just <laughs> small triathlon takeover <laughs> you but, uh, wait you said we weren't going to talk about triathlon but, uh, but, uh, but i'm going to bring it back to road racing for a second because who who put the fastest times out in triathlon coming off the bike itu athletes correct sure yeah i mean the crazy fast 10k times coming off the bike a lot of those guys have very similar road cycling fits. Yeah, yeah. So if we're wasting our road muscles in that position, why is Jacob Burtwistle running a sub 30 10 K off that? Yeah. Well, the ITU you know? guys are all on road bikes anyway, cause they're pack riding. Yeah, exactly. So like, why do we think that in this time we, we get into this magical <laughs> right. triathlon well, position? We're like, good thing. All my running muscles are saved up. Now I can go and run slower than all those guys on the road bikes. Yeah. <laughs> the ITU guys, tend, they look like they slam their stems pretty. pretty they hard. do. Yeah. They get very it's aggressive. Part yeah. of the, part of the game. They do. Gotcha. Well, there's definitely a lot more to that time trial setup, and oh, I yeah. really highly recommend you work with somebody on that yeah. from a multitude of different angles, like whether it be physiological, like looking at you, and then mm-hmm. your bike is a whole different beast, and then you got to marry those two things together, and there's a lot of different little um, pieces and parts that go into that that equation, and if you get something wrong, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to be dealing with some issues. With respect to the road bike and the mountain bike, it's a pretty simple thing. If you're having neck pain, chances are you're too long mm-hmm. or too low, and you just need to make some adjustments to the stem area. Yeah. Uh, moving on to number two, feet and ankles. Yeah, and that might be should be number one, right? Like kind of start with the base. base. Yeah, <laughs> we're working top down. Be, yeah, we're working top down. Cleat, yeah. I feel like people don't talk about cleat position. You know, when they when they're talking about fits, but yeah. it's super important. You know, cleat position, shoe size. I'd be yeah. You'd be amazed how many people I see just in on day to day basis that have the wrong size shoe. You know, their shoe, their toe box could be too yeah. tight, or their um, shoes are too big, or they they're like I'm losing all kinds of energy, and you feel this feels like a normal tennis shoe. There's no rigidity to the shoe. Yeah. Um, those things all play a part with your fit in terms of like avoiding hot spots and uh, lower leg fatigue mm-hmm. um, and just development of power. Um, yeah. Those are some pretty important things. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I've never asked you before. Yeah. I've ridden with you quite a few times and I've uh-huh. ridden behind you. You've got a, 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 oh, an interesting yeah. um, little heel whip or like almost like a was it on a, my left side a pronated foot almost a little bit it's I, a little bit like internally I, internally I, rotated I invert I invert my left Inverted? foot when okay. I go to kick okay. well yeah. actually when I pull up and when I kick down on that sure. left side the reason is I have so uh, I have a pelvic obliquity that's been with me for a while. Um, it's been something I try to correct through exercises, but I think it's just the pattern my body continues to go through. Uh-huh. Whether it's cycling's fault or running's fault, I actually don't know. But uh, my left leg's quite a, noticeably functionally longer than my right leg. I don't think it's actually a true limb leg discrepancy, uh-huh. which would be I actually have one femur longer than the other. Those yeah. are pretty rare. Um, but my my left leg being the longer leg... Um, when I push through, uh, that heel to clear room will, will invert or will kick the heel will kick out. Yeah. Um, 
and on my right side does the exact opposite. My my right heel will kick in a little bit. Yeah, you're losing right about side. three to four hundred watts of power. Oh, <laughs> that's why my my guesstimated FTP I think is seven fifty, <laughs> but I'm yeah. losing it all at my feet. So <laughs> is that something you've ever um, tried to work on? You know, uh, I had in the past. Uh, I actually had. I tried to give myself less kick out on my left. Uh-huh. Uh, tight, tighten up the the. Oh, what do they call speed that? Speed play pedal. Yeah, yeah. The the speed play. There's a name. Float. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to decrease the angle of float on that side, and I immediately had hip pain. And that was a Ouch. moment in my thoughts as a physical therapist yeah. where I realized that sometimes your body. Yeah. Is it? It's funny. As as I saw that, I am not. For the record, I'm not comparing myself to Eddie Merckx here. But if you watch Eddie Merckx's uh, pedal stroke, uh-huh. if anybody's seen documentaries on him, he has the funniest looking pedal stroke you've ever seen in an elite cyclist. Yeah. His left knee kicks out so hard. I'm surprised he didn't kick everybody next to him in the, in, in the peloton. Wow. But they, they had said he had tried to do different fit things to fix that and always end up injured, whatever he did. Yeah. So, yeah. I think for but it just gets used to yeah, it. Yeah, I think to, I think yeah. for me it was I had been riding for so many years with that little asymmetry that trying to correct it was not my my musculoskeletal system wasn't ready for that yeah. for that change. Could I probably do it over a year? Maybe, but I'm really not sure how much efficiency I'm actually losing by that. Gotcha. You know. That'd be an interesting study. It'd be kinda it neat be. if we could like squeeze an extra like five Put a 10, shim on my right. Yeah. It, yeah. I could I think it could be helped out by if I put a shim on my right. Gotcha. A shim being a um, yeah. a spacer that you put uh, between your shoe and cleat, basically to yeah. raise one side. It's typically used for people who have pelvic obliquities to mm-hmm. try and even that out. Um, if you're a symptomatic person, I think it can help. If you are an asymptomatic person, as in you just see this asymmetry, but you're not having symptoms, I think you need to be careful when you mess around with that sometimes. But if you're if if you were me and you came in and you're like my left knee is killing me. Yeah. And I yeah. saw what I see from behind with me. I'd be like, yeah, that's cause you're yeah. grinding that left knee to death. So, so would yeah. you say if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I, I, so I don't want to say that. that entire, as a I know, therapist, huh? It's hard. It's hard for me to ever talk in absolutes as a physical yeah. therapist. I, as I, as my career progresses, every single time I try to speak in absolute, I'll go seven days later and see somebody who proves me completely wrong. Yeah. So, right, right. Most of the time, yes, I believe as an endurance athlete, if you are dealing with somebody who's training at a high volume, um, it's it's the old adage when if you want to look at really funny YouTube debates, go talk to people about Usain Bolt's running form. Mm-hmm. There are physiotherapists out there who would argue that he was asymmetrical and could have been faster. And there's other people that said, don't touch that man. Like, don't yeah. you change that machine and something bad will happen. So. I'm yes. just glad that I learned the word pelvic obliquity. <laughs> that's today's word. That's a hundred dollar word right there. So going back to the cleat position, um, typically you've heard like a hot spot or a hot feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a burning sensation that you'll get like somewhere in your foot. Generally, it's kind of in the arch area, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, also that, can be like the metatarsal heads. Gotcha. Too. Yeah, exactly. The balls of your feet. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of times that's because the cleat is too far forward. Mm-hmm. So you need to move that back a little bit. You really want that right over the ball of your foot, if not just a, like a millimeter or two behind it. That's going to give you optimal power production yep. and it's going to um, basically minimize or completely erase those uh, hot spots that you're getting on your feet. Mm-hmm. So that's a 
little tip and there. Yeah. Firmer soles help as well. You know, you can be off by a little bit because when those soles are like rock solid, because I mean, they're using, yeah. you probably have carbon fiber oh, yeah. plates. Yeah. And so yep. yeah. when they're rock solid like that, you know, you have uh, the benefit of like, if your cleat placement is slightly off, the f- the sole of the shoe is so firm yeah. that mm-hmm. it, it's that power a distribution. Helps. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's probably putting, very different. Putting power there. into the mm-hmm. yeah, base of the there. shoe. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. How about aching hands or numb hands? You guys ever deal uh, with that before? I, I get that, you know, four or five hours into a ride. Um, my right hand will start to go a little bit numb. I have to shake it out. Yep. And it usually starts with the pinkies and moves its way in. Mm-hmm. Which nerve is that, Evan? That's your ulnar nerve. The ulnar nerve. Oh, this is nerve. So this is a really cool little discussion to have as to why that can happen. Because it can happen for a couple of different reasons. And Jake's been, you know, a good softener for a long time. So you've probably seen just sometimes changing stem length mm-hmm. can adjust that. Um, even as simple as, oh, I had, a, I had a funny one once back in Ohio. There was a guy who had never ridden with bar tape before. He was like, really? my hands keep on going numb. <laughs> wow. And literally we just put on bar tape and I'll spoil the ending for you. His hands stopped going numb. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was a simpler yeah. fix, but yeah. that, that, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. more times than not, it has nothing to do with your bars. It has everything to do with your seat placement and it has a lot to do with your core stability and your ability to keep the bulk of your weight over your hips Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, take a lot of that pressure off of your hands. Um, So if you're getting that continuously over and over again, it could be because if you're going for a long ride and your your core is starting to kind of give up a little bit and you're starting to push more pressure forward you're starting to bring more of your weight forward your hands are going to take the brunt of that and you're going to start to numb out a little bit so yeah. it's just a matter of like tuck that belly button in, get your rotate your hips and make sure that you keep the weight over the saddle so that you're taking the pressure off your hands that yeah. makes sense to me because of my lower back issues yep. i can't completely firm up my core and i i have to put a lot of pressure on my hands sure. so i wear thicker gloves and have chunkier tape yep because I know that I have to put more pressure on my hands, and I, so I still get numb hands. Yeah. Be honest with us. How much of uh, a core routine are you doing on a, on a regular basis? Oh, um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to give us like, oh, you know, twice a week. Dad. Like it looked like v- he was going to say little. maybe some. <laughs> Try that too. <laughs> I should, I should yeah. do more, yes. We can all do more of that, and I'm perfectly guilty of that as well. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, the the little my two cents for the the hands. Is, is yeah. there anything else that you've seen no, I that think, you know? Of? I think I think you actually nailed it on the head there. Um, I would still go back to a lot of the similar training that I would give a time trialist, uh-huh. because when when you're talking about that core fatiguing out, I also think of a lot of those those. Uh, accessory cervical muscles fatiguing out sure, too, sure. and that's where you're going to put more pressure on that that what they call that brachial plexus, which is where all those nerves come out of your neck and they supply into your hands. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is why people who usually get your ulnar nerve, you know, sort of symptoms just in day to day life can be very stressed sort of individuals too. Is gotcha. we hold a lot of that stress up in that region. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, another place where people deal with issues, the knee. So knee pain, mm-hmm. general knee pain. Um, th- there are certain areas within the knee, like if you're developing mm-hmm. pain laterally or behind the knee, you have mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Ooh, yeah, so so knee, knee pain's interesting because I do think most sites, so let's say you want to be a racing cyclist mm-hmm. and you got to put in lots and lots of hours. It's almost like foot pain and Achilles or knee pain with runners, you got to almost pay the piper at some point where there's going to be a tissue tolerance period you go through where that tissue's got to develop. Yep. So I don't always want to want people to freak out when they get knee pain and think that they're, they're causing some major 
bad thing to happen in mm-hmm. their knee. Um, but like I said, if, if you work with a good fitter, they should be able to look at you. And if there's a lot of torque going through that knee, the knee works wonderfully as a hinge joint and not great as a pivot joint. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not designed to be a wonderful pivot joint. It's allowed to have a couple degrees of motion to pivot, but the, the meniscus does not work well when it's rotated over. Yeah. Uh, and the meniscus is that shock pad in your knee and it is surrounded by a capsule and has a lot of ligaments around that capsule. And if you're a cyclist and you're having your knee flail out wildly in or out, and you're banging your top tube or hitting the guy next to you, there's what 90 pedal strokes a minute. You go for a four hour ride, right? <laughs> it's a lot of pedal strokes. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot of pressure put through maybe not a exactly stable lever. Yeah. So, so a lot of people, I, my favorite people to help with bike fits are people that mm-hmm. are brand new to the sport yeah, and people that are transitioning from being like your recreational cyclist to wanting to go into be more of a racer. And mm-hmm. I love helping these people because you help them a get comfortable on something so that they can do it for a long period of time and love it. Cause the, the last thing you want to have happen is people get on a bike, ride it once or twice and say, bikes are the absolute worst. <laughs> bike saddles are yeah. the devil. I never want to see that thing again. Well, it's because you weren't set up on your bike, right? Granted, there's going to be right. a period, like Evan just said, mm-hmm. where you're going to have a little saddle sore. Your some butt and pains, your yeah. nether region is not going to be happy with you. But you know what? I promise you, just give it a little bit more time and it will go away. And you don't need a seat with you know five inches of padding Please on it. Please don't go buy a Cloud9. <laughs> like, I know yeah. I'm biased <laughs> with being <laughs> in a saddle-owning company, but like, don't go buy a cloud yeah. nine people. That's but not what you need. <laughs> seat height is probably one of the, the yeah. easiest things that you can mm-hmm. do to get a person set up correctly on the bike. And a lot of times I have people come in and they're just way too squatted. They're way too low and yeah. they're really burning out their quads yeah. and they're starting to develop a little bit of knee pain and their saddle's probably a little too far forward because they're trying to compensate for so they can get themselves more upright so that they can be more comfortable. And having the saddle too far forward as well, you're, you're dropping the, the drop line of where your patellar is supposed yeah. to line up over the... Um, you know, the, the spindle of the, the bike, which is where the, the crank's attached to. A lot of times that becomes too far forward and you're pre- placing undue stress on the, the anterior part of that knee. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part one. So you need to get the saddle in the right position. And then there's the um, the seat height. So if mm-hmm. you're too low, you're too squatted, you're gonna burn out your quads. And you're like, I went out for a you know a 10 mile ride and my quads were just toasted after that, or I'm cramping, or I, I just can't pedal as hard as somebody else. Well, it's because your saddle's too low and we need yeah. to adjust that. And there are these little tools called goineometers, which will mm-hmm. Evan uses probably on the daily, on the regular basis, <laughs> um, that will measure the angle of your, your knee. And there's a little happy zone in there for, for me, for like a recreational cyclist, it's a lot less aggressive. Yeah, and, I was going to ask you what angle that you aim for when um, you're starting. For the, the, the newbie, they're yeah. probably going to be in like the 30 to 35 degree range. Um, mm-hmm. For the aggressive race, racer, they're 20 to 30 degrees is generally where I like to get them. 20 yeah. to 30, so somewhere. Okay, 20, 20 to 30. 20 to 30 degrees, 31 degrees, depending upon the person yeah. and, and mm-hmm. um, who they are, yeah. um, which is going to be a little bit higher up in the saddle, a little bit taller of a position. Mm-hmm. And the, the more recreational person is going to be a, a touch lower. So, so yeah. that is your your knee angle when your um, foot is as far down as possible. At on the, the very pedal. bottom of the pedal yep. stroke, bottom, the bottom, bottom crank bottom. arm being perpendicular to the ground. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. those are the two things that I personally look at in terms of trying to get a person into that, that happy zone. Mm-hmm. For... Um, optimal length tension relationship so that you can 
you know, get the most strength, the most, you know, power production for that particular person to get going as fast as possible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. if you get too squatted too far down, you're going to start to basically fatigue prematurely. And we don't want that to happen. And we don't want to develop, um, pain issues. So if the saddle's too high, uh, that generally you'll start to feel a little bit of pain on the, the lateral part of the knee mm-hmm. and a little bit behind the knee. So if, if you're too high and that angle becomes, you know, you know, say 25, 20 degrees, somewhere down there, that's just, mm-hmm. you're reaching too much and you're going to start to put some strain on there. That's just not happy times. So yeah. You guys ever dealt with knee pain while on the bike? I have not. I, I don't have too much problems. I feel really lucky. I mean, I, I, when I've been climbing a lot, I've noticed a little bit of soreness, but I think it's kind of like what Evan was stressing mm-hmm. where it was like, you kind of have to work through some of the, you know, yeah. pushing and you're, you are pushing, you. I mean, you're, you're pushing tendons and things like that yeah. a little bit. I mean, I think it would yeah. probably be a little bit more commonplace in triathlon just because you have to build in the running component yeah. component, and you're dealing with a bike that's a little bit more finicky to set up. So, yeah, but yeah, that's I've usually attributed most of my knee pain to running, but I think it gets accentuated sometimes on the bike yeah. depending. Yeah. And then the last one, low back pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really doesn't have a lot to do with the yeah. bike. It can, yeah, but more times than not low back pain is just because you need to become more acclimated to riding that bike Yeah, and you need to work on some stuff off of the bike. That's going to help support you while you're on the bike. Um, low back pain is like the most complicated question in America today, yeah. I would say from a medical perspective, yeah. from like a chronic pain, like medical perspective, there's so many different reasons for low back pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me though, when I see people coming in complaining of low back pain, mm-hmm. you look at them and they're, they're fits usually pretty close, but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that it's something that that's the problem. You know, that's yeah. the the guilty party is, you know, I look the more at their training, yeah, if they're overreaching it's or looking something at like their, that. Their yeah. core work, their core strength. It's looking at their flexibility. It's looking at how stable they are in general. And usually there's a couple weak links in there that you need to, to really pay attention to so that that person yeah. can, um, you know, get away from that. And the other part of it is you just got to ride more, you know, because sometimes yeah. you do have to push through, like Evan said, I, I like yeah. that. There's yeah. Some, yeah, there's some soreness that comes with biking. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, Lance being, I think, somebody who can speak the most to the back pain here, I don't think that you had some, like, magical core exercise that you were doing. You just built up your miles. Correct. Post that surgical recovery yeah. process. And, I mean, it's not it's not the sexy answer. I, but I, like, I, I hate kind of having some of these conversations with patients because right. I think sometimes people, I'll speak specifically runners, but also some cyclists will come to me and they want this, they want this magic answer that it's like, oh, your saddle's two millimeters off That's as if, right. no, I would, I wish it was like, obviously if somebody comes in, their saddle slammed down and their knees at 45 degrees at the bottom of the pelvis, you'd be like, okay, you know, I mean, we could probably work with this, yeah. but I initially moved my stem height up yeah. a little yeah. bit and more spacers when I was just coming back from surgery, mm-hmm. but that lasted literally yeah. two months. And at that time that was probably an appropriate yeah. change. Just, just if, if we're just talking tissue lengthwise Correct. coming out of that surgery that yeah. you probably had to be in that position. Yeah. But I mean, outside of that, you would, I mean, what would you say was the, was the, was the magic pill coming back? The time in the saddle. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> not a very magic pill. No. Nobody likes taking that pill. That's no. not, <laughs> so, yeah. so you're telling me it's just 18 hours a week. For That's a right. Year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so quick question for all three of you guys, professional fit or DIY? do-it-yourself or professional fit? I've never been professionally fit. Okay. Evan? I'll say professional fit because most people listening to this, I don't think have, this is not an insult to people listening to this. Most people don't have the anatomical or the bike knowledge to fit themselves appropriately without lots of mistakes along the way. Yeah. You could mess up for like a year and then learn through that. Yeah. 
trial and error. That's a long way to be have you ever had a professional fit? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, Matt. I think um, I'll disagree with both Lance and Evan and say <laughs> uh, you should consider both. Um, that being like, especially if you're brand new, like a bike fit goes a long way. And there's other things that a bike fit can help you with. If you get a good bike fitter, they can help you like uh, point you towards bikes that will potentially um, fit you better than other bikes. There's just like stack height and different piece, like different frames are different on bikes. And mm-hmm. so a good bike fitter can help you purchase a bike as well. That would be um, ideal for your particular mechanics. Uh, I do think that it's important, you know, once you've, you know, potentially been biking for a little while, um, to, to tweak your fit and to play with it and to ne- maybe never settle. And maybe this comes back to what you're mm-hmm. saying. Like if you're willing to mess with it for a year, well, maybe that's what people should be doing. Yeah. Maybe they should be messing with their fit for an entire year, you know, adjusting small things to see mm-hmm. if it's better or worse or, um, or they're doing a 200 mile ride and they're going to try and go with something slightly less aggressive yeah. than, you know, than when you're racing, um, the state championship time trial, which is 40 K, you yeah. know? So, mm-hmm. so I think that there's, there's things that people should experiment with. Um, and there's probably things that people probably shouldn't experiment with. I'm kind of leaning towards Evan, not messing with his foot thing too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I think if you find some of these things like, um, like that, that knee angle, like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think if you found something that works for you and you can do some long stuff with that, I would not mess with that. Right. I, I would, for me personally, I don't want to mess with that too much. Uh, cause I, I think that that's the kind of stuff that could lead towards like, Oh, you move this five degrees and that could be some serious knee pain. And then mm-hmm. you're sitting on the sidelines, which right. is really yeah. unfun. So I, I don't disagree with you. And I think pretty much everything that you said was spot on. Um, I, I'm a big advocate of like when I do help people with the fit of trying to teach them and educate yeah. them yeah. why we were making the decisions and the changes that we're, we're doing mm-hmm. so yeah. that they can play with it so it's kind of a mixture of both getting a professional fit if you're completely mm-hmm. naive to the entire process and you're not sure about bikes you know and that's another thing it's like i don't want people taking off stems and putting on stems and they know nothing about a headset or how to properly yeah. tension a headset and all exactly. of a sudden you know like oh crap that person crashed because they didn't tighten up something correctly or something came off and now they're hurt their I mean, steer tube was yeah. loose in there or exactly something. Yeah. so mm-hmm. um working with a professional fitter is definitely there's a time and a place and just know you and what your your strong points are I, i'm a person that's very mechanical and I love tinkering with stuff. Sorry. Got people right. trying to call here. So <laughs> let me tell you about this bitch. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> so last month, I was working with I oh, love this. Jake, what happened? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> my phone started ringing and somebody was calling and all of a sudden my phone just took <laughs> over. I don't even know what that is. That has got to be the funniest thing. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know where it's coming from, guys. Funny. That's where I got that little sound. Shout out to her. What's her name, by the way? Oh, I already closed it. Sorry. Okay, that's okay. Oh, God. we should bring her on. Right. She I'm sounds just, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she, she sounds like she could rant for a little bit, you know? Okay. In post, does that need to be bleeped out, boys? Uh, How about just, just not. the like third it, word that she said, maybe, the, but yeah, I think everything it. else can stay. Okay, so gotcha. yeah. that is hilarious. <laughs> I don't even remember what Where I was were saying. We? Yeah. What, what were we even saying? It right doesn't then? matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're done with fit. That's it. Yeah. If you don't know anything about bikes, go get a bike fit. If you yeah, know a little bit DIY but definitely try and consult with somebody be safe make right good decisions so let's jump into one last thing Lance one last thing Um, my big race this next week is the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder that's awesome and um, it is a five day gravel stage race Uh, the 
the interesting thing about it is the promoters have been trying to do it for 10 years. They've been trying to wow. put this together. So the promoter, Chad uh, Sperry from Breakaway Promotions, has been working with Brad Ross, who is one of the original starters of the Cyclocross Crusade. They've been trying to get this thing together for 10 years, even before gravel grinders became popular. So wow. they had this idea that they wanted to do a point-to-point gravel stage race and they finally got it together this year. So first year race, it's actually like a camping expedition. Are you excited about it? I, I am excited. It's It should be, it'll be very interesting because they provide all the food, they provide all the meals, they provide all the support, they move your stuff from, from oh. spot to spot, and and you're, you're racing you know five or six hours a day, and then there's entertainment and meals at night so oh my gosh i think it's gonna be really amazing. so yeah it should be how many people are registered for that i think there's just over 300 people they had capped it at 500 but it's a big ask to have people yeah race for five days and yeah. and camp at the same time and so are you a big camper um, i mean he's cheating i am <clears throat> cheating yeah. are you gonna have your van yes my wife is driving the That's van what i was gonna ask i was gonna ask like it's a camper van isn't it What's well, a it's a, it's a, it's a sprinter, so, yeah, sprinter conversion van? Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So and and there is a people can't do that. So I'm I'm totally you have positive. The van. I will not be the only one in the camper van. There's probably going to be a. What's dozen. the over under on sprinter vans there? Seriously. Oh, I, I, I think the there'll one. be at least fifteen. Yeah, I was thinking like twenty five. There, there yeah. might be way more, but I think there'll be at least fifteen people in sprinter vans. Gotcha. You have to have a driver. Somebody's got to drive. Oh, you. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. you can't just do it yourself. So. And luckily, Brandy's going to bring, she's going to come and bring the dog and... Say, is Piper coming too? Piper's coming too. It's so, That's awesome. Awesome. So we're going to have some fun. So I'm excited that we're trying this this first type of event. So that's what's happening. I hope that that's it's awesome. successful that's and I hope so that they fun. keep doing it year after year because that would be pretty cool to take on pretty cool. I saw another video online of him clearing more snow. Correct. In that little bobcat. Here we are, yep. the middle of June, and he's still clearing snow. That's a testament to how much snow we got this year. Day three is about 80 miles and 10,000 feet of climbing. Oh, wow. And so it's a big, long, difficult day, and the highest part still has snow in it. So he was clearing it out. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Evan, Jeez. one last thing. Okay. So uh, Ram is underway now. Oh, the cool. Race Across America. Uh huh. Um, and I'm just going to update from, so my mom is actually on a team, uh, this year. She's crewing on a team, uh, from Ohio. There are two guys there racing the, the, the two person race, uh, Eddie Walker and David Wise are the two guys from Ohio. And, uh, my mom's friend, Becky Finley is their, is their crew captain. Gotcha. And it's been so cool last two days calling and talking to her. It is wildly intense for what you would think would just be this incredibly boring crew experience. Cause yeah, I mean, they're averaging That's 15, cool. 16 miles an hour across America, right? But it is so, so cool. The story she's telling, like when they were in, I think Arizona, they were having massive headwinds. They were having to change out every like 30 minutes, just like back and forth wow. guys, just like they're just battling into this wind. I mean, they basically ride, from I believe it's Oceanside all the way to the East Coast. I'm going to get the city wrong. It's either Virginia City or Annapolis. I can't remember which one it is. I want to say it's Virginia Beach City. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's Virginia Beach City. Somebody correct me on that if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, it's it's incredibly, I mean, just 
the the idea of that is amazing that it's actually a race this isn't like a ride that these guys are just going on they are training to race this thing Mm -hmm. uh eddie walker being somebody who actually qualified for who will be racing in kona too this year wow so i mean these are you know bona fide cyclists and it is such a such cool experience to see them through i think that they'll be entering colorado here soon cool so i'll keep that updated next week because they should be nearing the end by next time we talk wow Mm-hmm. Good luck to them. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I don't. Yeah, I. Um, I don't have a whole bunch. I posted a video last week talking about a new watch called the Garmin Forerunner Nine Forty Five. Um, I. I. You know, I think it's a solid triathlon watch. If you're in the market for that particular type of thing, then go check that video out. Uh, youtubecom slash Oh, I just crossed 500 subscribers today. Nice. Oh, ding, 500 ding, 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 right before, <laughs> right before uh, the podcast. Are you quitting your job now? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna probably buy one of those like tigers with like a diamond chain, or you know, <laughs> walk around and stuff like. That. Have a have a YouTube documentary <laughs> on you about how you blew all your money. Yeah. And, I'm gonna yeah. have my limo uh-huh. driver just stay, yeah. just do a couple spins around the neighborhood, <laughs> pick me up in an hour and a half when the podcast is over. There you go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any videos coming out this week? Uh, I'm hoping to post, I have a couple of things that I want to post. Um, I want to do, uh, talk about some envy wheels, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about like yeah. setting up the Garmin watch, like doing the setup process. Um, I might post, you know, something about, um, pro triathletes that are on YouTube. I, w- I want to do like a, a top five video with that. Like, just like, here's some channels that you should, you know, check out with some pro triathletes. Cool. Evan, if you had a YouTube channel, I would I actually, plug yours. Oh, I was going to say, I, I have a couple people that I follow. Yeah. Don't, I don't have a YouTube channel, though. But if you did. But if I did, it'd be really <laughs> grainy videos. Yeah. <laughs> cool. My one last thing is I will be out of town this weekend, and I'm not going to be really riding the bike too much. I'm going camping with my family up oh, at Trillium, cool. yeah. Trillium Lake, so we're going to go sp- we stay a couple nights up there. Are you going to be back on for the podcast? Oh, yeah. I'll okay. be back on Sunday afternoon. So gotcha. Gotcha. We're just going to go for two nights. Um, that's about all we can stand in the uh, the old tent. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, we, that'll be fun. Yeah, we did that for Father's Day two years ago. We were we had registration and, and reservations to do it last year, for obvious reasons. I was um, unable. N- not able to attend that, so we had to cancel. So we're going to pick up where we left off and be back up there this uh, this year um, for Father's Day. Originally, we're we were scheduled to do it this past weekend, but the state championship road race, I, I had keyed that as being a race that I wanted to do, yep. not knowing that I wasn't yeah. going to be able to do it. But anyway, should be fun. Dude, the photos are going to be amazing. Trillium yeah. Lake is like one of the big spots to go for photos. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's stunning. So cool. If uh, anybody out there who knows me and tries to get in touch with me this weekend, sorry. <laughs> I, there's not really <laughs> now, much cell service up there. Yeah, but we know I'm, where to find you. I'm now. unplugging. So, so we'll just come up but there. But Jake, my, my, my chain's upside down. I'm going to need it fixed. <laughs> just could, take, I, could, could I just drive it up to you while you're up there? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, come find me. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, as always, if you guys want to say hi to us, jump onto our social media at Dial Podcast, uh, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> It's one of these days I'll learn how to talk this, to you guys. I this, promise. This podcast may be our like greatest <laughs> hits of like airs, I think. Blooper, this is gonna be the blooper yeah. reels. Like, oh yeah. Good. This is my favorite one so far. I'm just thinking about food right now. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah. Uh check us out on our social media. Shoot us an email, Matt 
Evan and Lance, Jake um, at Dow Podcast. If you guys want to say hi to any of us.com and uh, give us some reviews. We appreciate those. A few more have come through and that really does help us push the show out there to more people. And don't be afraid to uh, share us with your cycling pals. So been getting a lot of good feedback and people yeah. coming up and telling us how much they enjoy us and um, giving us suggestions for show topics and yeah, for people to have cool. on. I absolutely love that. So yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for that. You guys have a great rest of your week. We thank you for listening. Bye for now. Bye.